live from Chicago, it's Saturday morning. It's the Murph and Fred Show, starring Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, and featuring Eric Ostrowski. Now, here's your host, Murph and Fred. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Just as the big voice guy said, it's Murph and Fred. How about this, uh, Fred? I just looked up the uh, EO11. Pull up the, uh, make sure what I have is correct here. Please pull up the uh, Phoenix, Arizona current temperature. Now, I think they upgrade those, Fred, every hour. So oh, constantly. It's 9 yeah. o'clock on a Saturday it's right. a, and 43 seconds. Uh, yeah, so there it's 8 o'clock, right? <laughs> Only well, one hour difference. Behind us, it's eight o'clock. When right we now. change, that's what I said, right? Eight well, o'clock. Yeah, yeah, but it's nine o'clock here, right? But, but right, eight o'clock there, or is it? No, it's, it's one hour now, right? And, and then two hours when we change clocks, right? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. Jump ahead, jump back, fall uh-huh. ahead. Uh, that's again why the United, entire United States <laughs> should have the same time. Uh, we should all be in the same time. <laughs> what your can was up your can I yesterday? I know. <laughs> yep. So I believe it's warmer right now here uh, than it is in Phoenix right now there. Even though, uh, of course, we have a little more sun baking. Right. It's, sun's baking down on us right now. and it's uh, The rains are starting to come down now. It's going to rain for the next eight hours. I, I know. <laughs> well, it's been doing that there. Yeah. Jesse will join us uh, around 10 o'clock. Jesse, I understand. Uh, uh, you know how he sets up the table? At the ballpark before the games, and he sells his book. Sure. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to try to suck as much anymore by uh-huh. Jesse Rogers. Now he's setting up, the, he's got. He's selling uh, salt, ice melt, and uh, snow shovels. Yeah, someone's yeah. got to out there because they don't deal with that kind of stuff. <laughs> what do you know got there, Felix? Their cars off. That's not Felix, that's uh, Eric. <laughs> did I do that again? Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, right now, the next time Phoenix. Felix comes, I'm going to call him Eric. Yeah, I know naturally. that. Naturally. No, it's all good. Um, Were you able to get here today without Uber? And, uh, it yeah, so the, bad car, the car fired up right away oh, this morning. There I heard you, you Monday or Tuesday tell a horrific story last Saturday, and you were in here, did a great job, and, you know, I never knew. I wish. So the bad, and then what happened last Saturday? And at 3 in the morning, 4 in the right. morning. I have to be down here by 5 a.m. on Saturday, so it was like 3.40. Uh-huh. I go to start my car to warm it up. Click, click, nothing. Uh-huh. Tried to get nothing. I popped the hood, and my battery's just corroded. It's got that green, uh, white stuff yeah. all over it. How many miles from here do you live? I live in Crystal Lake, so I live like an hour and ten minutes yeah. away. He's so, in the next yeah. time zone, Fred. <laughs> I'm, he I'm is, away. actually, away. yeah. He's right there. So I just had a moment of, what do I do? Uh, like, my wife's car is at the airport. Yeah. I'm stuck here, stranded. At 4 a.m., who can I call that would possibly answer? Are there so. any Uberers in Crystal Lake available? There are. Yeah, there are. So there, <laughs> there weren't about two years ago, but now, okay. now I can get one whenever I want. For oh, the most I hate part. to get. There what was go. that? About 400 bucks? Yeah, it was. It was just shy of 80. Okay, just shy of 80 bucks. So uh, let us know if it's warmer uh, here than it is in uh, uh, Phoenix when you pull that. Okay, up. so in oh. Phoenix it's 35 degrees, yeah. and then on my little handy app, my weather app on my phone says uh, we're 38 right yeah, now. I here. see there. There you go. <laughs> Uh, so let's keep it warmer here than it is there. Well, and yesterday was so. Yesterday was nice enough because it was sunny out and yeah. probably in the you know upper thirties. You could have played baseball yesterday here mm-hmm. in town. So, 
it almost smelled a little springish this morning. Uh-huh. Even though the wind's out of the east, usually that's when it's from the south, the Gulf of Mexico. You start getting, yeah. have we broken the back of old man winter? I know, I know it's going to snow again. I'm not sure. saying that. But the sub-zeros, they're gone, right? By this time, it ain't going to go below zero again. Yeah, it will. Oh, below zero? No. No, 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 no sub-zero. No. Right. Yeah. No, no, those are gone. Below freezing, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. 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 All right. Probably later tomorrow. So, uh, tell you what. Let's go to a uh, Murph and Fred uh, fan focus group Twitter poll. want to throw this out. And uh, we got two or three active right here. Vote at ESPN 1000 or vote on the radio. 332-3776. 332-ESPN. Area code 312. But you knew that. Uh, number one. Yes or no. Is Tom Ricketts at fault? For the signing of Jason Hayward. Yes or no? Hmm. Okay. Number two. Sox fans. Now, I based this on some quotes so uh, from Rick Hahn earlier this week. Sox fans. Multiple choice, A or B. The $31 million, roughly, for Manny Machado that was set aside for, you know, this year. Right. 31 Point whatever times eight was about two fifty. How whatever roughly the thirty one million dollars for Manny Machado this year. A, it'll be used next year in twenty twenty, or B, it is in someone's pocket forever. All right. Okay. And uh, number three, <laughs> did you know the Pittsburgh Pirates went? 82 and uh, 79 last year, yes or no? I would have thought it was 82 and 80, 162, but what was that, Eric? They didn't play uh, one game probably end of the year and didn't matter. Right, it didn't matter, so they didn't make up one more game. All right, so. It probably uh, mattered to the attendance, but, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah, they don't refund them. They don't love refunding the money anymore. Yeah, I'm sure. The uh, three online Tom Ricketts, his fault for signing Jason Hayward. Yes or no? Three three two three seven seven six. What's Murph's angle there? Sox fans, the thirty-one million dollars for Manny Machado uh, this year that was set aside, budgeted, if you will. Uh, a, it'll be used next year. Uh, B, it's in somebody's, somebody, whoever that would be, somebody's pocket forever. And uh, number three. Did you know, did you realize, uh, without looking it up, did you know, be honest, that the Pittsburgh Pirates were over 500 in the National League Central Division last year? Well, think about it. They they went, what was it, uh-huh. 21 or 22 years in a row without being over 500. That's right. Yeah, and then they broke that mm-hmm. uh, and then had a couple of decent seasons. But, uh, yeah, I did not realize they were over 500 last year. So, so uh, vote at ESPN 1000. The reason, uh, Fred, uh, we're asking, I'm asking Sox fans, uh, the $31 million, uh, where's it going to go? This is from uh, the Sun-Times White Sox notebook on uh, Wednesday or Thursday this week. Uh-huh. One uh, Daryl Van Scoen. I uh, never know how to pronounce his yeah, name. I don't either. I, th- I heard someone the, uh, earlier this week say Van Scowen. So I don't Maybe know. that's what I heard. Yeah. I was, so okay. I'm not sure. I oh. think it was it might have been Carmen or a Cap. I think actually. By the it. way, when it comes to pronunciations, E L O Y. All right. Uh huh. Well, let me just say something. We've been through this as long as we've been around, Fred. Right. Uh, all the way back to when the Cubs got a pitcher named Jose Guzman. Remember right. that? Yep. 
and uh, uh, they tried to replace uh, they being a Stanton uh, Cook and uh, all those guys. They tried to replace Greg Maddox with a uh, right-handed. Uh, hmm, I don't want to call him a bust out. Uh, right-handed to bust out uh, right. Jose Guzman. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, uh, everyone in Chicago on the sports radio, you know, they're all going. Jose Guzman. Yes, they are. Jose Guzman. I remember, I remember it well. Our buddy George Hoffman. Yep. Jose Guzman. Jose Guzman. And, and I'm thinking, well, wait yeah. a minute. Oh, there's another one. <laughs> yeah. And then all of a sudden, uh, someone was uh, head of microphone in front of the new Cub uh, right-hander, uh, Jose, and uh, and he made this statement. He was ticked off, I guess. They were saying, you know, they're comparing him to Greg Maddox. Right. Here's time where you keep your old yapper shut. Sure. But he goes... He sort of was laughing at Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. Now he's right. saying he said his, name. his own yeah. blanking name. Yeah. All right. Now, bring it up to today. E-L-O-Y. Do you do know that they asked him this week? Well, I saw it in print. Okay. I saw it in print. They asked him this week yeah. how to pronounce his name. Eloy and he said, or Aloy. He said the worst thing you could possibly say. That's what we're leading up to. What okay. I saw, is this what you heard? Because I just had read it. He said, either's fine with me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the worst thing you could say. If you want him to say your name correctly, when I was doing Chicago Fire uh, things. Oh, you uh, got some names there. There was, there was uh, <laughs> David David Akam, A-C-C-A-M. But everybody would call him David Akam. Uh-huh. Some people. Because I asked him one day. He goes, yeah. it doesn't matter. Right. Kind of does. It's your name. I mean, we you would like us to call you by the right name, but I. It's funny because it's not Aloy or it's, oh, they're saying it's Aloy. They're like saying it's, Aloy, right? Like it's like it's a like it's a short A. I mean, not even Aloy. A, yeah, to you too. It's not an Aloy or Eloy. It's Aloy. Hawaiian. Aloy Jimenez. Fine. How are you? So yeah. So yeah, it's it's hard to get used to. I just want to call him Slugger. I'm staying Eloy. Hey Slugger. All the way. Yeah. And everyone else can go, Aloy. Now, what you said, Fred, was what I read, and I'm glad you actually heard it. Oh, I, saw, I saw him. He was sitting there, and he said, okay. oh, it doesn't matter. Then they kind of grilled him, and he goes, really? It doesn't matter. Okay. He said it all in English, too, which was nice to see. <laughs> True. Maybe it doesn't matter, which tells, here's what it tells me. Since he was a little kid, they've, right? People have said his name wrong. Well, they've said it both ways. Right. So no one's going to come on any radio, anywhere, or TV, and try to say, it's a lie. Yeah. And I, that's why, for the let the record show, it's uh, Eloy here. Slugger. Hey, Slugger. Yeah. Just call him Slugger. Or you can call him Lou Brock. Because just call that's going to be the worst Cubs trade since uh, Ernie Brolio for Lou Brock. We hey. can call him what Michael Kopech says, he's the next Babe Ruth. So Right. Just go, hey, babe. Hey, Aaron. You ever heard of uh, Lou Brock? Yes. But have you ever heard of Ernie Brolio? No, I have not. That was the uh, trade. Worst trade in uh, maybe baseball history. uh, Maybe. Or other than when the Red Sox traded the Bambino to the Yankees. uh, Maybe number two or number three trade. The Cubs traded a young outfielder named Lou Brock to the St. Louis Cardinals because they thought he was not going to be any good. Yeah. And they got back from the Cardinals a sore arm... Done. Stick a fork in him. Right-handed starting bust-out pitcher named Ernie Brolio. If you want to find out more about Lou Brock, you can go to Cooperstown. <laughs> if you and... want to find out more about Ernie Brolio, <laughs> just call me off the air. Yeah, go to Cooperstown and go to the Hall of Fame and you can find out more as you read his plaque. But this trade 
Kintan, let the record show. You know, you notice a lot of people now are backpedaling on this one, flipping, uh, if you will. Uh, I, I, I actually think that ninety uh, percent of Cub fans thought it was a bad deal at the time. Right, I agree. Right, yeah, and I, I think. Probably 95% of White Sox fans thought it was a tremendous deal. Mm-hmm. And that was before we knew that Dylan Cease could be what Dylan Cease apparently might be. Inside sources told me at the time the Cubs said his arm will never hold up. So, yeah. well, so we'll see. Right. I mean, you never know. No. That's well, why they, quote, unquote, threw him in. Yeah. Why well, <laughs> Cap was on earlier today, or this week. Was Cap on today? He's on. No. Monday no, through Friday today. wasn't enough. Cap was at the gym blossoms last <laughs> night. He's probably hungover. But anyway, um... Cap was on the other day, and he said that the initial call for Jose Quintana, Rick Hahn asked for <laughs> Rick Hahn asked for Addison Russell and Chris Bryant. Well, that's just negotiating. And Theo said, "Thank you. We'll talk well, later." You throw out the red right. herring. <laughs> yeah, they also tr- almost they tried to get Aaron Judge well, from the Yankees. Yeah, I understand. Well. I know a lot. I know Aaron Judge. It, it took him a while to, gonna, to establish himself. Yeah, he's okay now. He's older. He's older than most people think. Yeah, because, he is. He's like 28, 27, 26, 20, yeah, 27, 28, right okay, around yeah, there. Right. Yeah. So, so when he's a free agent, uh, he probably won't make that kind of money that he's thinking about. So, uh, Sox fans, uh, the thirty-one million dollars for Manny Macho this year that the Sox had. Uh, Packaged, offered is a better word. Uh, a, it'll be used next year, or B, it's in somebody's wink, wink, pocket forever. Here's uh, the staff reporter, beat guy for the Sun-Times, uh, wrote, headline, show us the money, all the money saved, uh, I'm sorry, all, yeah, all the money that was saved that didn't go to Manny Machado is not exactly burning a hole in Rick Hahn's pocket. But he did say, here's the money line, no pun intended, eventually it will be spent. Although not necessarily this year. Han said, this is not money just sitting around waiting to accumulate interest. Uh-huh. Calculate the interest on that when you get a minute. Would you, EO, 31 million times 1%, 10% would be 3.1 million, 1% would be 310,000. So it'd be a little under a million dollars a year interest. Listen, you're not you're you don't want to go spend that money. You had that money saved for a big dime free agent. You're not going to oh, just yeah. go spend it willy-nilly. You don't need to spend the 31 mm-hmm. million. Uh you were trying to spend it on right. a on a big name free agent. You decided that uh you know, you don't want Bryce Harper, which I'm all for. Uh, not going after Bryce Harper. And then, uh, you know, you did not get Manny Machado, so spend what you have to spend to get uh, players on the field, but don't go, you know, make sure you still have that cash when you need it next year or the year after. Rick Hahn says this isn't money sitting around uh, waiting to accumulate interest. It's money to be deployed to put us in the best position to win some championships. Fred, you wrote this for him. (laughs) A year from now, Hahn continues... We will be in a better position to know uh, more about our own guys, true, and what's available, meaning on the open market, true, and where specific needs may lie and what uh, we may have uh, to address or what we have addressed, you know. They may have an all-star third baseman in, uh, you know, in Yohan Moncada. They don't know. So, in conclusion, Rick Hahn says on the $31 million, when we have that knowledge, that's uh, where this money is going to go. 
it's going to serve us well in the long term for economic flexibility. All, he, he and Theo talk just alike. They walk alike. They talk uh-huh. alike. At times, they even sound alike. Uh, so let's go uh, to EO11. Now, uh, we ask Sox fans only to vote on this, though we can't prevent Cub fans no. from voting on this. Uh, Sox fans, EO11, multiple choice. The $31 million for Manny Machado this year, A, will be used uh, you know, in 2020, or I guess I should have said in the coming years, right. you know, uh, or B, it's in someone's pocket uh, forever. Uh, Fred, I'm going to guess that uh, B, it's in someone's pocket forever, is the uh, winner uh, by a two to one margin. I'm going to go with it 66% B. Uh, I'm going to go 70% the other way. All right. Let's bring in the man uh, that uh, knows, Eric. All right, so the $31 million that would have been for Machado's salary this year, 77% of the voters saying it will be in, quote, his pocket forever. 23% saying it'll be used next year. I think it was in a pocket or in someone's pocket. I don't I don't like the way you said his. That, <laughs> that was quote. your implication. <laughs> I let the record show. Now, we don't know if some Cubs fans, uh, I don't know why a Cub fan would sabotage this, though, by voting uh, A or B, but they always are out there and available. Fred, you think the money's uh, just moved till another... So when they need it for another big name free agent. I mean, they spent mm-hmm. spend $4.5 million of it mm-hmm. yesterday on uh, Irvin Santana, who was out all, pretty much all of last year with just five starts mm-hmm. after he was an all-star in 2017. Um, they needed a fifth starter, and instead of Manny Benuelos and Dylan Colby, if uh, Irvin Santana can pitch, then he'll probably be the number five starter this year. Now, I did not get a finance degree at D.C. like our good buddy Tom Waddle. Right. So there should also be $31 million earmarked uh, for next year, right, and each of the next uh, eight years, uh, if indeed the contract they had... they need it, yeah. Had, no, if that, well, yeah, but if the contract yeah. had been accepted. Right. So that's $62 million next year. See, sometimes it's hard. We'll never know. It's fun to talk about. But it's sometimes they can, all sports teams, not the South Side, they can co-mingle. And how do you ever really know what is their budget, what was it going to be for next year? And now right. is it going to be $31 million more or over the next? It's sort of the uh, oppo of when a player like holds out for a year. It's, it's more like the NFL. It's happened a few times where a player says, I'm not even playing this year. And then they always go, well, you know what? You had three million coming. You got to wash that away. Yeah, that ain't coming back. And then uh, say you get six, six, six. But if you would have got five, 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 uh, you know, it's hard to recoup that one year right. if you're a player. Right. So I'm not, again, uh, I, I don't have that finance degree, but it's sort of confusing or hard to really get through the, uh, get the weed whacker and go through the, uh, the numbers. But uh, right now the fans have voted that money is gone uh, basically forever. We'll keep that Twitter poll rolling. Let's go to number one. Is, Tom, is it Tom Ricketts' fault? For the signing of Jason Hayward, yes or no? Of course. I don't know where you're going on this well, one. People, including me, are pointing the fingers now at uh, Tom Ricketts for pulling the plug, uh, locking up the checkbook, uh, maybe on a Jason uh, Hayward. So I'm just trying to, in my own mind here, 
if it's fair, and what's fair? If it's fair to say, well, you know what, uh, Theo wanted him, and everyone wanted him, and the fans wanted him, but but Tom Ricketts said no. Are you talking about Bryce Harper? You said Jason Hayward. God, am I glad you're here today again. <laughs> yeah. At least I, I didn't say they Phil lock, Jackson. Yeah, no, locking up the money for, for Bryce Harper. For Harper. Okay. So, you know, it, it's sort of parallel with the with the last uh, 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 poll question. Right. So, it, it's, it's I don't know if it's a uh, logical extension to uh, say, well, you know, and I'm not happy. That that uh, the checkbook was closed, but I understand fully why it was because there's been disaster after disaster, and and Tom Ricketts eventually says, "Hey, you know what? I got a guy here that blew money on six, seven, eight the free agents in Boston, and now it's happening here, and we're number two, three in the league in payroll. I'm shutting the checkbook. Right? You know, is punishing Cub fans? Maybe yes, maybe no. Is he punishing Theo? Maybe yes, maybe no. But is Tom Ricketts therefore? Can, if he can be blamed for Harper, right? can he be blamed, therefore, for not saying, hey, you know what, you're not spending all this money on, on Jason Hayward. Well, of course, that would be blurring the lines between, he's my president of baseball operations, I let him do whatever he wants. But he didn't let him do whatever he wants this time. The well, money's probably, involved, though. Yeah, he probably did have to give the final okay to spend the $184 huh. million on, uh, Hay- on Jason Hayward. Hayward. Right. Is so it they Tom probably Rick- had to give that last uh, final okay. Yeah, yes or no. Is Tom Ricketts at fault for the uh, signing of Jason Hayward? Uh, I would expect this to be about 99%. Uh, well, I don't know what this is now. Fans are, the bloom is off the rose a little bit on uh, Theo Epstein. You know, you're starting to hear more and more chatter. They never, you never noticed this? On-air guys everywhere and TV guys and fans. They never say Theo's name. You know, they mostly go, well, you know what? There were some bad decisions on the free agency. There were some bad. Well, yeah. Every once in a while, people will mention a, but not, a Theo. But, yeah, but you know. not, it, it's just starting to creep in. Uh-huh. See? It's starting to creep in. You ever notice this? First things creep in on sports talk. Then they creep in uh, in the media a little bit later. Local, yeah. Locally. Not nationally necessarily. Locally. Yeah. He's got to realize that every general manager makes good and bad mm-hmm. signings. And uh, Theo's made a lot of good ones. And uh, he's made uh, mm-hmm. probably as many bad ones. If you look at it, he's probably 50-50 on, these, on his moves. He might not be. Now, trades. Yeah, you're right. Trades he's done, you know. Trades he's the, done pretty well. The Arietta well. trade was fantastic, obviously. Yeah, the Quintana not so well. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know yet. The, You're still not sure. Right. The DJ LeMayo trade was a disaster. Right. Because he would have been able to play second. You had Baez at short, and then you could have traded Jeff Samarja for someone else. Right. Because you wouldn't have needed Addison Russell at the time. But uh, who wants to have the dominoes, you know, all line up on this? And uh, final Twitter poll. Did you know, be honest, the Pirates won 82 games last year? You did. I mean, we do have a, I think we had a soundbite about, uh, you were talking about, you know, do people blame Tom Ricketts mm-hmm. uh, for that? And I know that, uh, you know, Tom Ricketts doesn't necessarily blame him. He, he says that, uh, you know, Theo knows everything that's going on. Theo knows what oh. he's got. Oh, we have that coming up, yeah. too. Yeah. The uh, all right. Let's bring in EO eleven. Eric, 
Is Tom Ricketts at fault for the signing of a Jason Hayward, yes or no? Voters say 77% say no. He is not responsible for the mm-hmm. signing of Jason Hayward. So that would mean 77% would say, of course, uh, Theo's responsible if, you, if we pose sure. that. Sure. Okay. I don't think there's much doubt that even though Jason Hayward's actually improved his numbers across the uh, slash lines each of the last three years, pretty much, it's going to be one of the worst signings in, in baseball history. Let's go to... Uh, but then you can't blame... But then you can't blame uh, uh, Tom Ricketts necessarily uh, for, no. I guess, slamming shut the checkbook. You... <clears throat> well, he opened the checkbook for Theo, yeah. obviously, in the past. Uh, this year, he did not. It was closed shut. I, my feeling still is it was closed shut because when the Cubs won 95 games last year and in the final month of the season, the three guys he spent the money on, you Darvish, Tyler Chatwood, and Brandon Morrow, mm. were not ver- there to help the team get over the hump. So 95 wins is a great number of wins to have in a season. But when you've got to go then play 163 in mm. a wild card game and uh, your three big free agent signings of the year are not there and they're sitting there watching from the dugout in orange street clothes, um, that, that had to rankle. And I don't use that word very often. <laughs> That's a good word. Had to rankle yeah. a uh, Tom Ricketts just a little bit. Says, "Listen, I gave you the money last year. Look what you did with it. So now try to figure out how to win with what you got." Jesse Rogers joins us in about thirty minutes. Stick around, and uh, Jesse filed his uh, story at ESPN uh, uh, dot com. Is that ESPN Chicago dot com to see Jesse? You can go yeah, anywhere. You know, ESPN Chicago anywhere to find yeah. Jesse, right? Yeah, and. Uh, uh, the headline writer, I don't know, does he write his own headline? I don't know. But, not sure uh, about no, that. No, he does not. But uh, was, uh, uh, Cubs players uh, sort of laugh off the uh, Pakoda numbers and all the numbers. Sure. I don't know if there's time to be laughing about anything. And uh, we'll stay on the uh, uh, Manny Machado beat. We'll also have national viewpoint from our uh, good buddy Phil Rogers uh, sometime around 11 o'clock. Murph and Fred, back in a flash, it's ESPN 1000. And Fred, glad you're with us. Busy Saturday. Hope you're getting a lot done, and I hope you have us with you till noon. Jesse, in a few minutes. Oh, speaking of Jesse, he he, he was everywhere this week. He was on this yeah. show, that show. This, Jesse's He's got to bundle up too out out there in Arizona. Yeah. But yeah, he made the trip. <laughs> he made the trip to go see Manny. Warmer here right now in uh, Chicago than it is in Phoenix, Arizona. But uh, Jesse, yesterday. He's looking forward. He's doing the existential view of the Cubs. Next year, there's money off the books. And if you're telling me no playoffs, you're talking about an 80-win team like Dakota's projecting. That just tells you change, right? That that points to change. Uh, so probably in the dugout, like you said. And who's going to come up short? The problem still is, you know, Hayward's contract is Hayward's contract. Other guys like Bryant and these guys are getting closer to free agency. And someone, if, if they're winning 80 games, more than one guy is underachieving. So, yes, you would think there'd be have to, have to be some sort of massive retool. I mm. think that's the right word because you still have a year of Lester. You still have Hendricks in his prime. I think that's what it'd be, some sort of 
somewhat massive retool if they miss the post. That was Jesse when he joins us at uh, straight up 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll delve into that a little more. How exactly would you do that well, massive retool? Yeah. Here's the other big question, uh-huh. too. We talk so much. How many times did we bring up that the Cubs were bad, and I mean really bad, five straight years of fifth-place finishes mm-hmm. so that they can get the high draft picks? Oh, yeah. And the draft picks they got were Elmora, Bryant, Schwarber, and Happ. Mm-hmm. Now, those four, one won an MVP, one helped you win a World Series by going 7-for-17 seven uh, as a DH in Cleveland. The other two, not necessarily done what first-round draft picks should should be doing or should have done. I know they're both still young and Elmore has lost weight and he's eating better and all that stuff. But maybe it gets to the point where, you know, sometimes first-round picks and, you know, White Sox fans and they're all baseball fans know that. Sometimes first-round picks don't all pan out. And to think that four straight first-round picks are going to work out, mm-hmm. they, it looked all really good in 2016. But maybe well, we've seen the best of Almora and yeah. seen the best of Schwarber. And, and, you know, Brian, you're all hoping gets better, but you, you can't, if it doesn't happen this year, I, again, I said at the end of last year, I would be shocked if Almora, Hap, or Schwarber, if one of them didn't get traded. The season's starting and none of them got traded. Basically, everybody's back from last year except for Tommy LaStella. Well, there's one reason for that. They, if you're going to trade a player, you have to replace him. They don't have free agent money to replace those guys. Yeah. And there's no one in the barren farm system to replace those guys. If there were money for free agents, be it a Harper or a middle-level outfielder, then you could trade Schwarber, say, and pop in this free agent and left. Or if you had a minor league uh, say at Eloy, yeah. you know, then you could trade Schwarber and fill it internally. So everything you said was correct. Everyone expected a trade except me because I've been saying since October they can't trade anyone unless they sign a free agent to replace him. The normal way, and you're right, Fred, to better a team, make yourself better through trades, is to trade a position player. Not counting pitchers in the different right, topic. Right. Trade a position player, and then you bring up your guy from AAA and put him in that spot so you actually improve somewhere on your uh, on your roster. Right. They were unable to do that. Well, yeah, and then uh, it was a quiet signing yesterday because of the Machado and everything else, mm-hmm. but everybody was wondering where Marwin Gonzalez was going to go, and yeah. the Twins made a nice move because this guy can play everywhere. Uh, He's Marwin a Ben Zobras type guy. He for is. people that don't know who he, he is, is. Yeah. and a uh, good young player, uh, and maybe not so so young, but a good player. Nine, right, yeah. um, two years, twenty one million. That's that was doable money for most teams in Switch baseball. Hitter you think, can right? play five positions. Yeah, yeah. So, which is what this is why they drafted Ian Happ to be the new Ben Zobrist. Right, and Happ could still. You know what? Everyone talks about regression to the mean. Regression to the mean, and meaning you're going to have a worse year to suck it down to the back of your baseball card career average. No one, and uh, we had John Dewan on. Remember, Fred? Yeah. No one talks about progression to the mean. Yeah, we and, don't know if he's going upwards or downwards. Right. Yeah, and you don't. You see, and the Pakota is interesting, and, and the numbers that have the Cubs, you know, in the uh, low 80s or even less or whatever, and some are a little more. But no one talks about the p- progression to the mean that they have to pump into these computers, or do they? 
You know what? What if what if Darvish progresses to the mean? I know, I know. Get the what if bell one time for all this. What and what if Morrow then? You know, does eighty two uh, appearances and he progresses? What if uh, Addison Russell progresses to his mean? Right. What if Wilson Contreras progresses to his mean? But here's what I didn't like, and we'll have Jesse on the headline writer today. Eric, when you get a minute, pull up Jesse's piece today at the ESPNChicago.com. And again, the headline writer is not Jesse, but so so we have that, uh, uh, I have it word for word. But uh, Cubs players laugh at, you know, laugh off uh, the uh, pro- projections from all the uh, uh, sabermetric uh, guys. Right, that- word for word is last place, question mark, Cubs laugh off formula that has them under 500. All right. You know what? I wouldn't be so quick to be laughing. No. No. At anything. Look at it. No, you can't. See, which is why we have a Twitter poll question on board. Let's bring in EO11. Did you know the Pirates? Be honest. I'll be honest. I didn't. Did you know the Pirates finished above 500 last year? 82 wins. Yes or no? Why do I bring that up? Because Pakoda... And all these different, what do you want to call them, services? that Projection, project, yeah. You know, baseball, right, baseball right. staff people, yeah. Are. It's not a vacuum. In other words, they don't just look at the Cubs and, hey, let's just predict. They also run thousands and thousands of simulated games, right. which match up to the season. And the Cubs are going to play 19 games, as are the White Sox, against every team. And all of baseball does is right, you play 19. Division. The Sox will play 19 against the Twins and the Royals and the Indians and the Tigers. And the Cubs will play 19 against the Brewers and the Cardinals and, and the Reds. Right, and the Pirates. And, the, and then the Reds, Sonny Gray, a little twinge in the elbow, nothing to worry about, they say. And the Pirates. Right. So when Pakoda runs all these thousands or you know thousands of simulated games in like you know one second yeah. in, the, in their computers duh they're also looking at how the other teams are doing what the other teams have added on to now the pirates you know how do you know they're not going to go 85 wins and you got to play them 19 and cincinnati so i'm trying to point out and I don't think one Cub player knows how these things work. Right. You know, they got us winning 84. They got us winning 79. They go, oh, ha, ha. It's a big laugh, evidently. What were the results of the Pittsburgh Pirate poll question? Did you know uh, that they had 82 wins last year? Yes or no? 65% of the voters did not know that yeah. they won 82 games last year. Right. And without looking it up, it probably should have been about 100. Yeah. How many people memorized the Pirates finish? There's only one person I know, John Greenberg, John our, Greenberg. Our, our guy from uh, The Athletic. He's a Pirates yeah. fan. He helps us learn how to speak uh, Pennsylvanian. Yes. Remember? Uh, yeah. The one thing really quickly about Ian Happ, and I've got my baseball prospectus, which Carmen said yesterday, he doesn't know many people that carry this thing around because it's so damn heavy. Oh, i got a story on that <laughs> later okay. because you've told some great stories already about it. This one, Ian Happ. If HAP is Zobra's 2.0, there's an awful lot of tweaks need to be done to your source code. HAP might walk like Zobrist, but he has struck out more in the first two years than Zobrist did his first five. In almost 900 fewer plate appearances. He can't play the infield like Zobrist either, reflected by his diminished usage there in 2018. 
perhaps we should stop suggesting that Hap can fill the role of one of the most unique players in recent memory and instead recognize him on his own merits. That's the big thing because now Hap came into camp and said, listen, I'd love that play more second base. Right. There's a reason they didn't play him at second base yeah, last year. Because instead of a glove, he uses a metal garbage can lid. Yeah, yeah and, and, and uh, there's no doubt he may be able to be a hitter. If he can cut down on his strikeouts, he's still a young guy. He's 24 years old. He's a brick. Yeah, there's a lot of times, you know, 24-year-olds don't make it to the big leagues. He got up here quick. He got up here real quick because they didn't have anybody else. Now, they messed with his swing. I'll give him that. But he still well, has not, a lot of hole. He, now he's got a, a third, well, he can't, a third hitting coach. He can't hit the high fastball, but that was the uppercut yeah, that they not, tried to maybe do with him. Not many people can. Right. right. And the down and in from a righty, you know, he's toast. Yeah. The ball can hit the dirt four feet in front of the plate. Yeah. Lay it right there. Like most guys, sure, he'll cream it. Yes, he will. AE11, you're a baseball guy. You ever hear the phrase, he's a brick? I have not heard it as like a baseball term thing. Well, it, well, it is. Yeah, he's a, a pro scout. There's a there's amateur scouts. They cover the high school and college for the draft. Then there's pro scouts teams. Have they, you know, bird dog ahead for the teams you're going to be playing. They follow the major leaguers or you know high minors. So uh, one of their phrases is like a second baseman that's got. Uh, like brick hand, you know. I was going to say, it's either he's built like a brick or no. he's got awful it's hands. Awful yeah. hands, yeah. Uh-huh. He's sort got like, really bad hands. Sort of like throwing up a, uh, you know, free throw that clang, you know, right. he throws yeah. a brick. Mm-hmm. Murph and Fred, just in a few minutes and uh, lots to cover. Look, we got all these great sound bites that are going to tie in with fresh new stuff you haven't heard all week. Unless you heard it the first time. Miss a little, miss a lot. Murph and Fred, Jesse coming up back in a flash. ESPN 1000. I'll get back on the baseball beat in a little while. Jesse Rogers from Chile, Chile, Arizona. Warmer here right now than there. You got games today. The Cubs are supposed to be playing one game. The Sox are playing two. Their lineup already out for the White Sox. I can't tell you who the um, who some of the players are because mm-hmm. I can't read the lineup card. Some one of the uh, White Sox beat reporters posted the lineup card. Uh, which you can read most of it, and it's huh. it's pretty interesting to have Abreu, Jimenez, and Alonzo hitting three, four, and five. That's not a bad little uh, little order there. So, um, hey, speaking well, of Alonzo, are John you, Jay leading off actually for do, there too. Are you upset with? Any, how how'd you uh, read well, yeah, that? I would, I would rather the, the well, in case anyone is not familiar, it was. Uh, the two guys that the White Sox acquired this winter, and a lot of fans said, hey, this is great. Uh, Yonder Alonso, the slugging left-handed uh, first-base DH type guy, right. and John Jay, everyone knows him, uh, uh, related, uh, the, uh, the brother-in-law and the uh, good pal yeah. of Machado. And uh, I never really thought the Sox did that just to try to lure uh, Manny, but maybe they well, did. It was, but... definitely, uh, it was definitely part of the reason. Um, okay. But... but... I would have I would have preferred if those two would have said, you know, San Diego's nice, but you should come play in Chicago. Where yesterday, um, the the chairman of the Padres basically just said, uh, we'd like to thank John Jay and uh, you know Yonder Alonso for for letting uh, Manny Machado know how nice it is to play in San Diego. And Machado said the same thing. So you yeah. know, that kind of backfired a little bit. Now, uh, being the uh, professional journalist uh, that uh, I am and, and you are, Fred, uh, nowhere did he say when this happened. 
In other words, there was a possibility, and I'm not saying, you know, but there's a possibility that this was over the last year or two, that they would talk to Manny and say, boy, I love it here in San Diego. Could have been. Back when they were there. Sure. You know, because it never stated that he right. said it, that, that those two guys said this to Manny over the last couple months. No. Let the record show. Now, right. it certainly appears like it was. Just, right. You know, just because we're journalists. Yeah. Well, sure we are. So, so... Right now, there's journalists all over the place just just driving off the road. So speaking of this, however, there was one Manny thought that I had. On December, I looked this up, 17th, last uh, December, uh-huh. was the day that uh, Manny visited Sox Brass. Okay. We assume that was, you know, the, the three big guys. Went to Gibson's. Well, but th- yes, but there was a video of him walking with the entourage, mm-hmm. the Sox entourage, you right. know. Yeah, not the guys from the HBO show. <laughs> right. Right. Is that coming back? No. Oh, that's, that, was, that was the best. I love, I love the show. Oh, too. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I could have done without so much turtle, but, you know. <laughs> so remember the uh, video and the still photos of... Uh, there's Manny Machado walking uh, with the, some of the Sox guys right. uh, outside the park. It was obviously they're on the west side of the parking lot there, and they're walking, heading south, you know, towards obviously the, the waiting car or the limo or the whatever they had. Or the, and uh, it was cold. Sure. And also with Manny was an unidentified uh, uh, female, you know, I don't know, wife or girlfriend yeah, or wife. sister. Well, okay. Wife, oh, yeah. was it? Con- okay, whatever. Yeah. I, these days you hate to say anything if you don't know him. But I'm thinking, why would they bring, see, maybe, why would they have brought him to Chicago on December 17th? Well, first of all, you don't play baseball in December. So it doesn't I really know. matter. I know. And if a, if a guy's going to make his his entire decision just based on the weather, but it appears, I mean, I don't know that want him in the first place. But the more and more, I, yes. Well, then, well, that was the bottom That's just line. Me. Yeah. I don't know if I want him in the first place. Yeah, because the more the more and more you hear about, uh, you know, from San Diego, uh, the weather has come up. Yeah, the weather has come up, and I mean. We don't have to rehash. Anyone that's ever been there knows it's 72 degrees every day. It's sunny every day. Right. And, and you know, it's it's beautiful. There's no better probably. And the ballpark's sort of hip, you know. It's that's what I've heard. It's got nooks and crannies, and it's right down your gaslight and all yeah. that stuff. It's, 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 by the way, if you're ever going to take a uh, out-of-town baseball trip, that's where you go. But why, did, why didn't they meet him in... Uh, Miami, the Whites. He's been to the ballpark a million times. The Orioles came. You know, he's, he's played here. I just, you look back in retrospect, why slap him in the face on December 17th? I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't, and the other thing in retrospect. Well, more than half of the country is going to be cold at that time right? of the year. Oh, so, yeah. I mean. but And also in, in uh, you know, hindsight, uh, what? did you want to have to, why'd you have to be, not the Sox, but would you want to always be the first bid? In other words, the first offer. Almost never. But that's what occurred, it yeah. appears, right? Seemed like it. He just, was here, then he went to Philly, yeah. then he went to New York. See, I just don't see the upside in uh, well, both of those equations. Being the first. And well, what, now, now the wife. Yeah. Now, she probably doesn't fly around all that much. To, uh, we shouldn't say. She maybe has been to Chicago right. a million times. But just having a feeling, she goes, oh, man, it was very cold in Chicago. Uh, she, apparently, she wanted New York. 
Well, that's cold too in the winter. Right. So apparently, <laughs> from what we understood, she she had wanted New York yeah. all along, and uh, you know. But I guess when she got out to San Diego, and once they said, "Hey, we're going to pay you three hundred million dollars for the next ten years," he, you know, that was the magic number. Apparently, three hundred million. Yeah. With the G afterwards, and mm-hmm. I don't mean I mean guaranteed. Uh, because, and I, I know I said this yesterday, and people said, well, you just saw like a Sour Grapes White Sox fan, but Kenny Williams was actually right. All he had to do is, all Manny Machado had to do is bet at himself that he could get 550 plate appearances in his 30, the year 34 and 35 age, mm. and he would have made 20 million more yeah. than the 300 million. So Players don't do that, though. No, I know. They don't bet on themselves. No. They just want the guaranteed money so that they don't. So right now, mm-hmm. Manny gets $300 million. He could suck for the next 10 years. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He's getting that guaranteed money no matter what. So we'll see what happens. What what's the, what emphasis, you know, what's the need for him to hustle? He didn't hustle last year, and he's still, gonna, ooh, he's still got $300 million for 10 years. We're going to talk about lollygaggers a little bit later. Okay. All right. And uh, some interesting statements by both uh, the White Sox manager on lollygagging this coming year and Ben Zobrist on lollygagging. I love the fact that, uh, well, this Ben Zobrist year. ties in a little bit, but yeah. I love the fact that Javier Baez said earlier this week, mm-hmm. he said, hey, there was a there was a game last week, I didn't run, or last year I didn't run out of the box. Mm-hmm. Nobody said anything. Yeah. He goes, this year I would expect that if I don't run out of the box before I get to the dugout, mm-hmm. someone's going to tell me what the heck you doing. You lollygag the ball around the end. You lollygag your way down to first. You lollygag in and out of the dugout. <laughs> you well, know what that makes you, Larry? Lollygag. I've heard that a million times, and I still crack up. Maybe, maybe the Padres didn't listen. <laughs> if you hit a fly ball and it's, uh, you think it's gone, you can take your sweet time to get into first base. It doesn't matter to us. <laughs> you know, where Ricky Renteria said, hey, listen, I'm going to, you know, Manny or, Manny or not Manny, If it doesn't matter who it is, if they don't hustle, I'm going to talk to him about it. Well, so. Rick Renteria had a little different bent in a story this week where he's saying now it's going to be up to the players to police. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it, it, probably, it probably should be anyway. Mm-hmm. You should have the, the players on your team to do that, yeah. and that's why I'm a little surprised. You know, remember last year who the Cubs, the Cub player was that was yelling at other players? It was Pedro Strope yeah. telling guys, what are you doing? That's unprofessional. you got to hustle out there. So, Pedro Stroke. Jesse, we're going to talk about lollygaggers. crooked all he wants now. I don't care. I didn't say Jesse's a lollygagger. Never. Jesse has never lollygagged in his life. What was that? Vote (laughs) vote now on our Twitter poll. When the Bulls win three out of five, as they've done, A, B, or C. Vote now. When the Bulls win three out of five, and back-to-back for the second time only this year. Last night, I thought the game was fun and exciting. I know most of you probably didn't. When the Bulls win three out of five, A, they're fun to watch. B, it makes me mad. Did Sylvie vote yet? <laughs> C, I couldn't care less. Jesse next. Vote now. Got some other Twitter polls. We'll talk about lollygagging with a non-lollygagger, Jesse Rogers. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred till noon, ESPN 1000. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN 1000. (laughs) From downtown Chicago, broadcasting live from the first Midwest Bank studio on State Street. 
This is ESPN 1000 WMVP Chicago. One minute away from Jesse Rogers. It's Saturday, Murph and Fred. Sort of gloomy and nasty, but warmer here in Chicago. Yep. You know, than Arizona. It's supposed to rain the rest of the day, all Fred, day long. Fred, there's nothing, you know, so we all know people that now have either moved to Florida or moved to Arizona or maybe visiting or whatever, and they right. love, you know, Facebook and you texting you or whatever and go, oh, it's 82, I'm here in Arizona, you know, and we just had two feet of snow here, and they think it's funny. Or people now that, you know, that you knew and now they've retired right. or moved or they relocated to Florida or whatever, and they go, oh, it's Ninety degrees here today. What do you you know? And you think, why do they? What makes? Why do they do that? Does I don't it know. make them feel like good about themselves? Yeah, I'm not sure why why they would do that. Well, I would never do that. Number one, they're like in Florida, so uh, why would you want to be there? Yeah. And uh, so, so we could do the reverse thing today, you know, where we talk about the uh, weather and how it's warmer here than in uh, Chicago, but miss a little. Than it is in Arizona. Uh-huh. Miss a little, miss a lot. Jesse earlier this week. Next year, there's money off the books, and if you're telling me no playoffs, you're talking about an 80 win team like Dakota's projecting. That just tells you change, right? That that points to change. Uh, so probably in the dugout, like you said. And who's going to come up short? The problem still is, you know, Hayward's contract is Hayward's contract. Other guys like Bryant and these guys are getting closer to free agency. And someone, if, if they're winning 80 games, more than one guy is underachieving. So, yes, you would think there'd be have to, have to be some sort of massive retool. I think that's the right word because you still have a year of Lester. You still have Hendricks in his prime. I think that's what it'd be, some sort of somewhat massive retool if they miss the postseason. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Jesse. The retool, man. Let's go down to uh, frigid, frigid Arizona. Jesse, I understand uh, before the uh, Cubs' uh, first game today, you have that table, a card table, as they used to call it, set up. You're selling your books out front, and you're selling snow shovels and uh, ice, uh, salty icer and all that. Is that a little side business going, man? Well, the snow shovels will sell much more right now (laughs) than the book, for sure. What's going on? What's the deal? One of the most brutal uh, stretches in, in, in recent memory, if you talk to people that live around here, mm-hmm. it's finally sunny, but they'll get they'll get a high of about 53, 54 today. But before today, I mean, it was in it was rainy, it was snowy, it was in the 40s, uh-huh. it was just crazy. So the entire Cactus League has really been uh, sort of off in terms of practices and stuff, but it looks like as games start, the weather's going to clear up. So... We should have baseball from this day forward. Fans ahead of Jesse Rogers covering the uh, Cubs. He was at the San Diego uh, press conference uh, the other day. Uh, what town? Where do they play down there? Surprise, Arizona? In beautiful Peoria, oh, Arizona. Peoria, yeah. too far from Seattle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know why they call it surprise? Because by the time you get there, you're surprised you didn't run out of gas. Yeah, there's a few nicknames oh. for some of those those hour long drives. It's there's brutal. Good year, which we 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 call good year bad year. There's uh, <laughs> diarrhea for Peoria. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, but you know what? We have it better than those guys in Florida, where you have to drive three hours for a game. 
the furthest game is maybe an hour away right. here. That's in the, not bad. In the All right, yeah. Jesse, uh, we've been talking about the fine piece, as always, that you filed at ESPNChicago.com. The headline writer, uh, which is not you, but distilled it down. Uh, Cubs uh, players uh, laugh at uh, the Pakoda uh, projections, uh, to paraphrase, but it gives us a good gist of, uh, of the fine story. As I said to Fred a little while ago, I don't know I want these guys laughing right about now after what they've been doing. And here's the thing. Now, I'm not John DeWan. You know, I'm not a sabermetrician. But, Jesse, I believe Pakoda is not just in a vacuum. In other words, they don't just take the Cubs, you know, projected lineup and bench and pitchers and bullpen and crunch the numbers and they'll go, oh, that's about an 82-win team. No. They also run thousands and thousands and thousands of simulated games in like two seconds. You know, 19 games against the Reds, 19 games against the Brewers, 19 against the Cardinals, 19 against the Pirates. And all those teams are doing, it looks like, uh, as well or a little better in the offseason. I was surprised that the Pirates, to, to read and realize the Pirates won 82 games last year instead of lost in the shuffle. So these players... I'm sure they have no clue what this even means, but I don't know. I like them. To, I think they should be getting more teed off, PO'd, whatever you want to call it. Uh, uh, but the headline writer wrote they left. I don't know necessarily if, if, if that's what your story said. Well, yeah, I mean, a few guys sort of laughed it off. I don't want to, you know, they weren't bellied over right, laughing, right. you know. But, sure. yeah, they, wa- they waved it off. They smirked. I mean, look, they're going to smirk at predictions from human beings like you and I. They're certainly going to spark at a, at a computer or an algorithm spitting something out. Mm-hmm. And, and in fact, several players and, and Theo gave gave serious answers to it. In fact, I thought Cole Hamels was great in answering the question, just talking about him and John and Lester have never been average. Because the other thing they do is 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 they uh, they they run the sample sizes uh, or they use the sample size of past you know production. You know, a pitcher at age thirty two, a pitcher at age thirty three. Well, the Cubs have had an older rotation since basically 15 or 16, 16 really, mm-hmm. and they, they won two divisions with an older rotation, and they certainly you know got to the wild card with an older one last year. Now it's, it's a little bit older in a sense because you put Darvish back in and you take maybe Chatwood back out, so it's even older this year at 32 and obviously adding a, a year to all the other guys. But, but to, so, to interject, Jesse, you're right, and just yeah. so everyone realizes, uh, they look at, uh, you know, every major league player for like the last 50 years and they project and they look backwards all right what do pitchers do when they go to age 34 from age 33 and okay 82 percent of them regress uh 10 percent stay the same and seven percent you know actually progress and have a better year but that can be guys that are you know flamethrowers and and then they lose a little uh, giddy up on their uh on their heater uh lester and uh Hamels uh, are not, uh, you know, 99, uh, 95 guys uh, most of the time, at least, you know, not that they're nibblers, don't get me wrong. And Pakoda, they also have to find the progressions uh, to the mean. Maybe Russell uh, improves to his mean this year. Maybe Contreras improves to his mean uh, this year and right down the line. But that should we have to assume that's factored in also, right? Yeah, yeah, I know it is, and, and that's what where if you read the piece, and Theo says it, it does skew a, a, against older pitchers in particular. So even though it might even out in the way we're talking, you know, mm-hmm. someone's prog- progressing and someone's regressing, 
they, the formula spits out um, a negative towards older starting pitchers more than it spits out a positive towards guys reaching their peak. I thought, I thought Brandon Morrow gave the best one-line answer. If you predict regression every year, eventually you're going to be right. I love that. Yeah. Now, having said that, they were absolutely wrong about the Brewers last year, right? The Brewers uh, overdid the prediction by like 12 games. But go back a couple years when the Baltimore Orioles went from making the playoffs down to, I think, 72 wins. This is before the, we know what the Orioles are today. I mean, they stink, right? But they made the playoffs and then went down to like 72. Pakoda predicted them, I think it was 89 to 75, and they actually overpredicted. They went to 72. So there are moments where Pagoda's right, moments where they're wrong. Maybe that, that's the same as human beings making predictions, but I, I understand what you're saying. Let's not completely laugh it off. There has to be some yeah. reasoning behind it, but certainly guys like Hamill and Lester are going to take it personally if you're telling them, if an algorithm's telling them, you're too old to pitch effectively. <laughs> you know, and that was it was a lay in the reporting business, Mark. We call it a layup of a of, a, of an article to write mm-hmm. because uh, how easy is it to go to a team and say a computer says you're too old to pitch? A computer says you're going to finish in last. It was a layup, and that's why I did yeah. it. <laughs> Jesse, you know one of the things that a lot of Cub fans are going to be looking forward to, and and they have for the last year, they have since Dexter Fowler left, is a leadoff man, and it seems like that's going to be what it was last year. And I'm looking here. Yeah. Uh, ben Zobris last year started 27 games in the leadoff spot. He hit 285 in that spot with a 371 on base. Al Mora started 46 games. He had a 368 on base and, uh, he hit 333 in that spot. Um, they actually did pretty well from the leadoff spot, didn't they? Yeah, they did. If you looked at the, at the collective numbers. Now, I, I think that, um, it, it's a little skewed because that it's at, at different points they put, Bryant and Rizzo up there as well. Like you don't want your best hitters up there, but at some point they needed somebody to set the table. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. There's no reason Zobris should not start up there against righties and now more against lefties. Why not just go with that platoon? And obviously there are going to be some moments where Zobris can't start against every le- uh, every righty. Then you figure it out. But that's a nice way to start. Almora versus lefties, Zobris versus righties. I think you're right on the. Uh, I don't see why you would go away from Zobrist, especially with everyone else healthy. Now, when Bryant when Bryant went down, I don't know if he wanted Zobrist all the time up there because this was a, a contact hitter hitting three ten, and you kind of needed him in the middle of the lineup. But with everyone healthy, Zobrist and Moore make a lot of sense. Jesse, uh, this week, miss a little, miss a lot. You were on the uh, station, I believe, 20 times. That's four times each day times five. And that's why you're the best. And we love having you. So I can't tell you which of the 20 uh, guest appearances this uh, week. But I, I think you said that Zobrist is not needed in the, like, six or seven uh, hole. Uh, I See, I like I like Zobrist in the 6-7 and Schwarber in the 6-7. You know, and that's the way I would construct it, which eliminates everybody except the center fielder. So my, my main thought is, along with what you, you and Fred were just saying, in a perfect world, and it's not, wouldn't you rather have Zobrist 6 or 7 and the center fielder would be the leadoff hitter almost every day to construct the batting order, and that's only what I'm talking about. 100% correct. And you said how you uh, prefaced it in a perfect world. I agree with you. Back in 16, when he had Zobrist hitting behind Rizzo, Mm -hmm. usually around five, um, that worked perfect. 
but this isn't a perfect world right now. You don't have the quintessential leadoff hitter. And and, and here's the thing. If, if they have to use Zobers there again, that means Wilson Contreras isn't reaching potential. Schwarber, like you should have enough to fill four, five, six, seven, but you don't have a, the quintessential on-base guy. And let's just say Zobers can play more often than when we're saying. I mean, he's a switch hitter who gets on base. I mean, isn't that Dexter Fowler? I mean, forget about the speed. Exactly. Isn't that Dexter Fowler? And he's a center fielder. Yeah, on this roster, yeah. he should be. But you're not. You're not wrong. It, it, you love that speedy center fielder has no power that can get on against lefties and righties. Because frankly, Zobers has probably more power than your quintessential leadoff guy. But this is not a perfect world, and that's why I think that he's needed up there. Jesse Rogers with us for a few minutes from freezing frigid. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna send messages. We were just saying before you came on, Jesse. You know we're here in Chicago in the winter, and you have friends or people that now live in uh, you know relatives. They live in Phoenix or yeah. Florida, yeah. and yeah. they love sending out those messages to you. You know in January. Oh, it's 75 here. Well, you know what? I'm gonna pound everyone I know in Arizona today with text messages and everything. Facebook. Hey, it's warmer here than. In Arizona. All right, Jesse, let's talk about a topic that's sort of nebulous, hard to get your hands around, the leader. And I, Fred, we've talked about this for 20, 25 years, and I already, my buddy Fred, my partner forever, you're getting paid, everyone should be, uh, you know, worry about themselves, right, Fred? Sure. But... Now we're reading, and you filed some of this, and and Zobra says, and and both uh, Gordon Wittenmeyer and uh, Mark Gonzalez, and and you uh, today are you know writing about Zoe says, well, we had that meeting uh, back, I guess it was in October, and they brought in some of the veterans. He didn't say who, but he was invited, I imagine Rizzo and whatever, probably Lester. You can, and you know they sort of, uh, I guess Theo, and you know encouraged us to. You know, be more of have a leadership role, and uh, you know, is, is this what the hangover was? Everyone said, "Oh, well, David Ross was a cute story," you know, and he had the, the home run in the World Series. I mean, it was very more than cute; it was emotional and dynamic, and just a it's great. It's the story. coolest way in the history of baseball yeah. to end your career with yeah. a home run in the World <laughs> Series, right? In Game Seven of the World Series, so. Not to ask you, you know, uh, who is the leader, because that, again, is an unanswerable, usually, you know, question. But why is it now, or is it in, let me rephrase it. So in the October, uh, you know, uh, exit meetings, and then they had this special meeting, it, it appears now, that someone finally said, who knows if it was, you know, Ricketts or, or Down, or if it was Theo or Jed Dunn, or Joe, we need more leadership. Uh, did they wait too long, or is this the right time? And who will be, and you lead by example, or do you also pull a guy aside in the dugout and you go, hey, you're not running. Like Fred, you talked about Baez said he got pulled. Baez, Baez said that he'd expect this year one of the players to tell him before he even gets back to the dugout. Hey, you can't do that. you got to make sure you run things out. Yeah, give us a big picture. Not just the Cubs, but, the, you know, 30 teams. You see them all. Uh, what's your vibe on all that? Yeah, no, no. It's, this is a great question, and it's a story that I've been sort of tracking all off season and, and into spring training. It isn't interesting to like the locker room dynamic. I think people from the outside can can understand. Like, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, think about it. You know, twenty five guys, one hundred sixty two games, all that stuff is in play. I mean, you can imagine it. Even though none of us have been part of a professional team, there was something off. Now, I don't know if I knew it in the middle of it, but definitely in hindsight, but maybe even at times last year, I, I sort of felt it. There, there was something off 
leadership-wise. And I think it's probably been off since they won the World Series. And maybe it's because they won the World Series. Right? You've heard me talk about this before. It's a new world we live in. I think, Murph, that they thought Rizzo or a couple other guys would grow into that role. In fact, I guarantee you they thought Schwerber would grow into one of those younger really? David Ross roles. I, yes, would, I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. Go ahead. Go on. Absolutely. But, of course, you pre- if you're an everyday player, you you probably need to perform to be that kind of a leader. And Schwerber is, is, has been pretty much tied up in his own problems, right? Rizzo's the interesting one. I mean, the, the way I would describe it is Rizzo's the leader, but he's the high school. I don't want to say class clown because that's too much. Mm-hmm. But you know, the fun guy, the fun guy to be around, and the, and he, he he certainly led by example. He's a great player, but I don't think he led with the with the iron fist that David Ross would lead by. You know, and so I think they've challenged him to do that. Um, I think they're hoping Schwarber grows into that role. I think they absolutely have given permission, if that's the right word, to Hamels and Lester because normally starting pitchers can't affect that. And you just need, I think everyone understands what I'm saying, you need to police the locker room with, with the players much more than the coaches or manager, much more. Mm-hmm. And Joe, even acknowledge, Joe acknowledges this, every manager would acknowledge it. They, they even, in changing out the 25th man, Lestella for Descalso, they addressed this. So 100% you know, on this, I'm, I'm 100% on this. They addressed it even with that move. They just wanted a little bit more of an urgent dynamic to it, and they're asking the veteran leaders to do that and work the day a little bit better. Remember, Theo's all about if we can do something that makes us 1% better, let's do that. Let's implement that. Mm-hmm. So if all these things make them 3-5% better, you add it all up, maybe they're a 25% better team just with the same players. So that's the best way I can describe it. And, yeah, it, it, they've mentioned publicly david ross by name so we we know what they're looking for they don't exactly have it right now mm-hmm. they want a few guys to emerge not to be exactly like david ross but who's it who's it go, who's it gonna be well the, the the thing is the backups can do it descalso might be it but he can't do it day one it's but he's new it's tough when you're the new guy that's just my opinion but, but, but you know by by may 1st he, right. could, he could he could have that thing Otherwise, I do think Rizzo's going to step up. I do think Rizzo's going to step up, and I don't doubt Zobris, Hamels, and Lester. But I can't—I don't know who the one guy is. You know, it's like yeah. it's like the presidential uh, race. You know, who's going to emerge? I don't know. And who's going to emerge as the true leader? I don't know. I would guess Rizzo, but I don't know that for sure. Well, Rizzo's always—you yeah. would, would yeah. think Rizzo and Zobris well, are the perfect fit. Yeah. Rizzo's always been the de facto leader ever right. since, even before things got rolling here, when he challenged the twenty-five guys in the right. Cincinnati Reds uh, uh, dugout right. for when uh, they low-bridged uh, one of the Cub guys. The Chapman after- did. Oh, right, but was, well, that was a retaliation after a Cub pitcher had uh, low bridged a uh, Reds guy. Uh, oh, they had, oh, the Reds had low bridged Rizzo. Right, right. So then, let, Chapman, me, let me jump in. Yeah. That, let me jump in. It's a it's a great point. You see, Rizzo will it will do anything for his teammates. That was a great move for his teammate. But now Rizzo's mm-hmm. going to be asked to get on his teammates ah, a little. Good point. You know, and right. that that's the difference in being. That's the leader he was. They want him to do a little bit more. Remember, we're not talking about change your whole personality. Just do a little bit more. But, of course, players, everyday players you know, who are in the middle of their careers, they have to worry about themselves, too. It's not easy to be the leader and the best player on the team or whatever. So, it's a work in progress. But the point is this. They put it out in the open. They've talked about it privately. They've made it a, a, a priority on this team.
And I'm just sitting here thinking, I know we just talked about it, but it's got to be tough for it to be a pitcher, too, because he he works one day and then he's sitting around the rest of the time watching the guys play. It's got to be a little tough, even if it was a Lester or a Hamels or, you know, veteran pitchers like that. And that's what I mean by sort of being given permission, not just by the front office, but by your team. It's okay. We want to be led. If Lester and Hamels want to do the leading, we'll do it. I mean, that that is the the beauty of of even professional sports. Players want to be led. And that's part of the sort of criticism that went towards Joe Madden. You know, they want him to be hands-on. And he finally is getting back to that. He wasn't maybe necessarily as much. You know, this is all nuanced stuff. It's not like he was just sat in his office Mm -hmm. and smoked a cigarette like Jim Leland (laughs) used to do. But maybe he wasn't as hands-on because the guy's got 45 years of uh, baseball experience. So they want to be led. They want to be led by players, and they want to be led by their manager. And the front office is asking both to, to step up. I'm just thinking that if Madden's sitting in the dugout or in the locker room smoking a cigarette, it's not the same cigarettes that Jim Leland was smoking. You are exactly right. Product <laughs> of the 60s, sounds no like, doubt about sounds it. Like yeah. just, sounds like Jesse fired one up with uh, Jim Leland one time during a rain delay up in the uh, little visitor's uh, manager's cubbyhole. Final thoughts with Jesse. Uh, we actually don't have time even for the lightning round, which I love to do maybe next week. But Jesse, uh, has Fungo Joe Madden uh, used the Fungo for anything other than a prop? And has he actually thrown a ball up in the air and hit it? Not since He's become manager of the Cubs, at least in the times that I've seen him on the field. Okay. I missed a game or two or practice here and there. I have never seen him actually, right. you know, hit a fly ball or, or, or throw batting practice or anything Ground like that. Ground ball. But no, he's no. Got, so he's got the no. fungo uh, for no apparent reason other than uh, he likes to have the uh, little prop. Yeah, I'm, I'm figuring he'd take out my knees one time as he passes by. It hasn't happened yet, though. <laughs> All right, Jesse, final thoughts. Joe Madden, famous for letting the players know who's starting, you know, tomorrow. And, of course, uh, and Fred, you mentioned this yesterday. I heard you with uh, Sylvia. Uh, you know, the front office, and this is almost every team now, they send down uh, tomorrow's uh, you lineups. Know, best. Yeah. Best lineup, yeah. best batting order, or projection, analytics, and everything else. And then, uh, in in theory, the manager can still uh, veto, overrule whether that's true or not. But the new uh, angle yesterday was that Joe is now going to give, uh, say, a three game series. You're flying into Pittsburgh, three days uh, warning to everybody. Here's who's playing uh, second base uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. I don't like it. What are your thoughts? It's unusual. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. I mean, back in the day, you found out what you were playing when you when you woke up and came to the park, right? Yeah. And then more re- in more recent times with technology, uh, Brandon Hyde, the former uh, first base coach, bench coach, would send a mass text the night before. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with the batting. No, in fact, I know it wasn't with the batting order because Joe would do that the day of. I sat with him one time. But he would at least tell people who's playing. That was the night before. Now we're going to do it for three days. It does seem strange. It does seem like you're locking locking yourself into something and maybe creating unintended consequences. You can't vary if a guy gets hot, or maybe you do vary, and then the guy that's supposed to play gets upset. I don't know. I guess there's some benefit, you know, some. I don't like it. It does seem seem strange. I don't know if I like it or not like it. I just I can't get my arms around it right now. I can't get my head around it right now. It it seems strange. But you know what? This was an – I asked Joe about it two days ago. 
I was at Manny's press conference yesterday. My point is, I want to get to the players and say, what do you think? Yeah. They're the ones that have the right. final say if it's good or not, right? right. You know, even, even Joe said, when he said, mentioned he was going to do it, he said it actually might not be a good thing because if there's a guy that's not going to play the first two games of a three-game series, he might be upset. You know, so it, right. it might actually backfire by letting them know, well, you're going to play, but you're not going to play till the third game of the series. Hmm. I, Murph, I think, we, I think he might try this and then maybe go yeah. away from it. That's my guess. You know, Three game series to know. I'll say on this. On a Monday, who's going to play Thursday? I mean, you, 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 you can predict, but to, to send it out there, I think is a little... I don't even. I don't even like this one day notice. You should come. I think you've said this too. <laughs> you should come every day, geared up to play. And then oh, I'm not playing today. Guys don't drink like they used to. But if you'd have done this in the '60s, '70s, or '80s, told a guy you're not starting for till game three and at second base, he'd go on a two day bender. Yeah. Well, see, in the, right, na- right. in the National League, of the way Joe does so many double switches and things like that, you gotta even if you're not in the lineup, yeah. you got to be ready. Oh, you're right. you got to be ready each and every game. You're you know? right. But what, the one thing Murph said that it's totally true, these guys don't drink you like they used to. No. Like <laughs> Jesse's been looking so for drinking just, partners. He hasn't found any. They rely on the <laughs> right. reporters and the beat guys to take the uh, handle on that, take the flame. Jesse, Mike Montgomery, right? Eric, I know we're late. We got Jesse. Crank the music louder so Jesse knows to make this one short. Crank it louder so okay. Jesse can hear it through the telephone. All right. Jesse, Mike Mike Montgomery, very, very valuable out of the bullpen. Your number one lefty, short man, long man situation. Oh, I got a little 10. My, he had left shoulder stiffness. I don't like hearing right. that. Any, any update yet? Doesn't sound serious. He'll be on the mound, I believe, what's today, Saturday, middle of next okay. week. It sounds like something like that. So he's just got a little behind everyone else, but it does all not right. sound serious at all. So that's good news. All right. Go sell some snow shovels and ice melt in front of the park. <laughs> Pick up a couple shekels. Cubs and Brewers, game 164, I'm calling it, Murph, today. There you go. How did, how did the, game 164. How did the Mariners get the game in? I thought everything was going to be uh, lost yesterday. The Mariners well, the played. And they play in the same park that the Padres are in. And that's where I was. I could not believe they played because it was raining mm-hmm. the whole time in Peoria. So yeah. they must have gotten in. I left before it started. But um, finally, the weather's changed. So in about four days, when I get 75, Murph, oh, my God, am I going to be texting you how nice it is out here. <laughs> Mr. Fan Zone, common Fan Zone, Murph wants you on. I don't know why. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm here from 10 to 12 tomorrow. So maybe I'll get lucky. Maybe I can track Jesse down tomorrow. Bill Bonham, Mr. Bonham, Murph wants you on. I don't know why. My phone will be off for you, Fred. I'm sure it will be. I'm sure it will be. <laughs> Thanks, Jesse. Go, See, back, Jesse. go back to sleep. Thank you, buddy. The Cubs actually have a guy in their lineup uh-huh. today Ooh. playing left field named Johnny Field. I like that. Johnny Field. How could he not be a good ball player? Good field, no hit, he's I probably, He's probably good at no field. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Unbelievable. Yeah, you turned it around on me. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred. It's ESPN. We got a lot to cover. ESPN 1000. And one more thing before we leave that we'll be telling you. We'll keep them flying high for coming Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And Jason McLeod is still on the Cubs payroll. Oh, the voice of God. 
It sounded like it. Eric, was that you uh, doing the deep voice guy or uh No, that that was God. He's just he's upset about McLeod being on the payroll. Still that's there. Our, he phoned in. That's our great production manager, uh, Joe McCardle. You know, the two worst uh Let's take a look in a, in a moment, Fred. Uh, last night, lots to watch on TV, uh, Blackhawks and Bulls. But I finally uh, distilled this down. I hope this makes sense. The two worst uh, contracts the Cubs have. Okay. Both the Jasons. Jason Hayward and Jason McLeod. We'll see. Yep. Yep. Jason McLeod has uh, made it not easy. But yet he's draft coming up in June, right? They so. keep him and keep him and keep him and keep him and keep him, and then yeah. they keep him another year. They, that would be the Cubs' director of uh, scouting and development, and uh, uh, not too much there. But we'll move on to some other topics. Let me hear God again. No, that, that tickled my eye. I was sitting on a feather. Uh, can you bring that? You still have that handy there? Uh. And Jason McLeod is still on the Cubs' payroll. Uh, so, did you have both TVs on last night, Fred? I, once I got home, I had DVR <laughs> both of them so my wife and I could watch uh, Check, Please and a bunch of other Friday shows we watched together. Uh-huh. Then I went downstairs and caught up on the second half of the Bulls game. And I watched uh, Patty Boyle in the uh, post game with Patrick Sharp. And uh, that was uh Sharpie's doing a nice job. Yeah, Sharp's doing a really good job. Yeah. And uh, so I watched that yesterday, so I, w- I caught up on everything. I didn't have time to sit and watch the whole games after working uh-huh. with Sylvie yesterday. By the time I got home, they both they were both early starts. 6.30 Hawks start and a 6 o'clock Bulls start. Right so. in my wheelhouse. Oh, yeah. I want Pat Boyle's nickname. How do you, can you steal someone's nickname, Good Time Pat Boyle? Is yeah. that a- Good Time Patty Boyle, yeah. <laughs> That's a great one. Yep. Uh, Tell you what, the EO11, give us a little Blackhawks music, a little Bulls music. Let's take a quick look at what happened last night, Fred. Okay, the Bulls, they win again. Why do you say again, Murph? Well, two in a row. That's only the second time this year, right, Fred? Yeah, see, it was all set up for Sylvie to have a perfect uh, night because it was a close game. The yeah. Bulls had a lead. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they're coming down. 1.5 seconds to go. Right. A three-point jump shot. Markinen misses. But he's fouled. Three, three shots. <laughs> he gets three shots. And he makes two out of three of the Cubs win. Of the, the, Bulls, Cubs. Bullies. the Bulls win by a point. <laughs> you, had a little oh. you had a little Murph in you right there. Unbelievable. <laughs> Sylvie had to be pounding the couch. Down by, Come on. Down by one point. What's wrong with your Aaron Gordon? He throws up what looks like it's a desperation brick. Yep. And he's fouled. <laughs> Unbelievable. And it was... A, the, the, all fouls there are stupid. But he, like, wrapped his hand around the back of Markinen and bumped into him. He kind of just, like... He kind of... He jumped up, and then he realized he was going to bump into him, and he said, ah! Yeah. And he, like, bumped into him, and as soon as he did it, he knew it was a mistake. So it was uh, 1.5 oh. uh, left uh, yep. or whatever, and uh, three... Free throws down by one. And this one, it was actually three to make two. Well, he made like the old rule. Yeah, he had three free throws. He made two of them, and then the Bulls yeah. took a one a one point lead. He bricks the first one in and out, and then made uh, the next two. But they've also uh, not only won two in a row. The Bulls have won three out of five. Uh, in a minute, EO eleven. Want to get the results of uh, Twitter poll number uh, four, uh, multiple choice. It's been on board here for about three hours. Can't wait to see what the fan. And I know Sylvie's been voting. They have also fallen two games back now of yes, that number have. three spot. I got your tankathon uh-huh. right. I got your tankathon. I got tankathon right here. I got it right here. Yep. Uh, when the Bulls uh, win, like they have now three of five, uh, they uh, A, B, or C, A. Eh? 
They're fun to watch. B makes me, they make me mad. C still couldn't care less. So, you know, the more you listen to Stacey King and then you watch the great post game, you had to, I had to hunt around to find it on 201. Right. Uh, Comcast, or NBC Plus. Sports Chicago yeah. Plus uh, with uh, Will Purdue and uh, when. Uh, Kendall Gill. I almost said it almost again. I said Wendell Kim again. It's just, it's just so natural. Yeah. Uh, the great Kendall Gill and uh, Mark Shinowski. Mark Shinowski, let's see if we can invite Mark on sometime. He does such a great job. And they keep talking about the spacing. In fact, Stacey King, five minutes in to the first game. Now, it's five games ago. That's when they acquired uh, Porter. Otto Porter Jr. has now played five games. Five minutes into that first game, and Stacey King was saying, Look at the spacing. This is amazing. Uh, now the lanes are open. If you want to drive, you pepper it around, find that three-point guy open, and the, the paint, you can get the ball in. So last night, 25 points for uh, Markinen with 11 boards, 22 points for Levine, six assists. And uh, I thought down the stretch he was really bad. He was. Um, he he just he, he, he was missing shots. He, he looked his, like he was lost. He took his bad shot like yeah. he does late in the game. You're right. Yeah. Now Lopez, see this was the and, and all the beat guys wrote this. Yeah, and, and uh, this is what one of the things Sylvie hates. This is when Lopez last year was benched by uh, Paxson. Sent the word down. Don't play Lopez no more because we don't want to win. Right? Well, but, they're winning now with Lopez. But now there's no Wendell Carter Jr. who'd be getting valuable experience. Sure, sure. Right? And that's where, you know, Sylvie's right on that point. But this guy Lopez, you know, he's still water runs deep type guy. He's there with the big boards, which Markin and help by keeping that one ball alive. Yep. And then Lopez checks in with 18 uh, points. Porter Jr. with 17. So a, uh, a a fun night, a fun game. Let's see, though. EO11, what do the fans vote here on, uh, unless Sylvie stuffed the ballot box? Uh, when the Bulls win three out of five, they, uh, they're they fun to watch. They make me mad or, frankly, frankly, my dear, I couldn't care less. All right, at the very bottom, with only 7%, fans say they're fun to watch when they've won three of five. All right, hold on now. <laughs> hold on now. Last night's game, excuse me for living, excuse me for watching the Bulls since their inception, their first year. I've often told a goofy story. I worked for the Bulls their second year in an unpaid statistician role uh, with Ben Bentley, and they uh, fired me after two games because I had a like a little pencil thread and a yellow pad. Yeah. I was supposed to keep track of minutes played, and they still had the analog Blackhawk t- clock up there, not the uh, digital. So they had the sweep hand. Okay. The sweep hand up there with no numbers on it. But I've been watching these guys as long as they've been in existence. Okay. And, and the point is, if you didn't have, if it wasn't fun last night, then, then there's something wrong with, with everything. The NBA. They've got to get rid of the draft. Something's just cockeyed. All right, go ahead. I'm sorry, Eric. Okay, so 7% of the fans said they're fun to watch. In mm. second place, 44% said, you know what? I mm. really couldn't care less. Okay. And 49% of the fans says, you know what? When the Bulls win 3 of 5, it makes me mad. All right, let's go to the Blackhawks. I can't take it anymore. <laughs> Give me some Blackhawk music there, please. Yeah, you know, 11? That wasn't any better. Well, it was I'm, much worse, actually. Well, I'm going Sunday, a, yeah. a, day, a matinee, 2 o'clock Sunday. I'll be there. 
I hope I run into our buddy Bob Verdi because we didn't have time when we had him on. I wanted to ask him, can you compare and contrast Patrick Kane and Stan Mikita? Right. Because everyone like laughs at what are you talking about? Cater. I, I heard last someone night, on man. Chicago radio this uh-huh. week say, you know what? Patrick Kane, I think he's given Makita a run for the money yeah. as, as to who might be the better player. Kaner uh, with, uh, extends his point streak to oh. 20 last night. And, uh, huh? But uh, the Hawks had to keep coming back from behind. You know, they had to keep battling back, and mm-hmm. they did, and they did, and they did, and then they just couldn't uh, in the final one, and they lose 5-3. to three. They tied the game three times, as yep. you're mentioning, Fred. They were down 1-0, tied at 1-1, 2-1, tied at 2-2, 3-2. Tied at 3-3. Two of their goals, power play goals, are still, uh, since January 1st, number one in the NHL. Pretty amazing. Power plays. Uh, their power play goals were uh, the new guy, Dylan uh, Stone, Stone, Strome. Strome. He's, yeah. he's fun to watch. Uh-huh. And uh, Alex DeBrinkett, of course. And the Caner, he got goal number two to tie it up. How about the very end? It was a one-point game, though the final score was 5-3. to three. It's 4-3, to three, and uh, the Blackhawks have a power play with a minute and a half to go, and they pulled a goalie. So it's 6-on-4, right? Yep. And they kept dishing it over to Kane on the right wing, and he had, <laughs> Fred, he had four sort of in-motion fluid one-timer slap shots and all forward deflected away, and they're lying there, and yep. nobody could put it in. So then, all of a sudden, the uh, the opposition comes down and uh, gets the empty netter. Yeah. Hawks now uh, three points out of that last playoff spot in the wild card, and uh, basically they said every game, yeah. for the rest of the games, uh, the nineteen twenty games are going to be uh, all uh, playoff games. But I'm glad you mentioned that they've played sixty two games. Yep. It's an 82-game season. Uh-huh. That means they've played three-fourths, roughly, you know, of their uh, games, right? right? Why is it? Why are they saying this game last? I know that they were, you know, with Colorado almost tied, and now they're two points behind or right. whatever, you know, and all that, and they're three points behind uh, Wild Card Minnesota. But there's a quarter of a season left. Was that such? I'm, it was. Don't get me wrong. It's a big game. You're, it's a four-point game, right. as they call it, right. but. Uh, they got a lot of games left. Let's yeah, they do. Go to uh, Chicago Heights, Mike. Hey, Michael, is that you? Hey, Murph. Uh, yeah, it's me. Uh, listen, yeah, I mean, Kaner. Kaner's trying to save the team. You know, he's like, you know, he's he's doing everything he can to save the team, but they can't because they've got four defensemen that don't know what they're doing. Forsling, Gustafson, um, uh, good old number five. And good old number 68. All four of those guys, especially Forsling. I've been watching the last three games. Every time the opposition scores a goal, Forsling is on the ice. And I don't know why he's still in the NHL. He can't do... I know he scored the winning goal or scored a goal the other night. But he can't play defense. And the, the, the poor goaltenders, Cam Ward and, you know, Dealey, you know, he's, he's like a shooting gallery, you know, because... Nobody and hey, what's with Seabrook? I don't know. Where yeah. is he? Is he I, I, good question. I can't answer it. You know, I, you look at it too, uh, Mike. Uh, there's in the entire Western Conference, there are only two teams that have allowed more than two uh, two hundred goals in the season. Edmonton two hundred one, the Hawks two thirty two. 
That's Thank how you. bad they've been Thank giving you, up. Fred. They've been giving up more goals. It's unbelievable. And even the other day when they scored eight, they needed all eight because they won eight to seven. Caller Mike, exactly. Then, I call my son. Call, He's down on. at U of I trying to, yeah. you know. Caller Mike, let register. me ask you this: We're up against the clock. Excuse me. Uh, big picture trading deadline coming up. Should they try to beef up on defense or just sit tight, keep the kids uh, regear for next year? In other words. Do you think with a defenseman that coming uh, in a trade or two, they would have a chance to progress in the uh, in the playoffs? Uh, you know what? Wait on next year. Okay, buddy. Hey, Mike. <laughs> thanks, phone, Mike. Phone again. Okay, thanks a lot. Thanks, I appreciate Perfect it. Fred back in a flash. Oh, I have two Twitter poll questions. Vote right now. Cub fans, you expected at one point the Cubs to get Harper, yes or no. Sox fans vote here. You expected the White Sox to get Machado at one point, yes or no. Going to get those results when we return. National Baseball Top of the Hour, Phil Rogers. Stay dry. Back in a flash. Murph and Freddie, ESPN 1000. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, Phil Rogers will check in in a few minutes. Hey, Jesse just posted some breaking news. Uh, he sold three snow shovels. John Lester starts on Monday. Darvish on Tuesday and Chatwood tomorrow. Now, that's usually you don't you don't throw your regulars that early in the tra- in spring training. Chetwood has the potential to have a big progression towards the mean. Well, <laughs> you, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Huh? When, when you throw 103 innings and you walk 95 guys, it's kind of tough. He has the yips. And you know what? About nine out of... This is not research. This is just me, anecdotally. Uh-huh. About nine out of ten times that when you have... Nine out of ten guys with the yips, keep the yips. Uh Tom Ricketts this uh, week was saying, hey, well, you know what? Uh, Theo knows uh, where every dollar is. Theo sees every single penny that goes in and out of the organization. They, they're able to project what their payroll is going to be going forward. We know where the dollars are. He understands all the, all the um, he, it's not like we make up a number every year. He knows what his budget's supposed to be, and then he, he adjusts for it. Yada, yada, yada. There's Cubs. a bus going down the street. I just saw yeah. Theo underneath it. Yeah, oh, I thought you were going to say bus number 2842. That's where they come up with the number of no, the bus. That's where he That's <laughs> where he just threw Theo under well, the bus. Well, Tom, Tom Ricketts right there says Theo's got projections. Here's what happened. There's no doubt in my mind, none, that... They all thought that they were going to, you know, a year ago, we're going after Harper the winter when he's the free agent. Yeah, because I agree. They, they had the projections. The one thing they didn't project was that they had to, A, trade for Cole Hamels last July 31st, and B, here's where it gets interesting, B, they had to lock him up for $20 million more this year because the starting pitching was uh, right. going to heck in a handbasket. When you went out and got Darvish and Chatwood, right. you expected, okay, our, we're set so we can spend money on Harper next year. Of course. Yep. So let's see what the fans voted. Uh, EO11, real quick, we're up against the clock. First, White Sox fans, at some point, yes or no, you expected the Sox to get Machado. Answers were? 59% of the voters said no. 41% of the voters said yes. Okay, we can talk about that later with Fred. And uh, uh, mirror image, other side of the coin, if you will, the antithesis. Cub fans, you at one point expected the Cubs to get Harper. Yes or no? Same type question. 71% of the voters said no. 
Ooh. 29% of the voters said yes. I, I would have for- thought that would have been I different. I forgot to say be honest. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's take a break. Hour number three next, National Baseball Man Phil Rogers. It's Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, live from the first Midwest Bank Studios on State Street, WMVP Chicago. Uno, dos, one, two, tres, cuatro. Morning, Murph, Fred, Saturday, 9 till noon. And threw our little Bulls and Blackhawks talk in. The team last night that was one, really wanted to win lost, and the team that I guess really wanted to lose won. <laughs> Is that what we're saying? That's what it seems like, yeah. It's bizarro. I can't keep up with if you're supposed to root for or root against your team these days. You know, I just wish we had a few minutes to visit now with someone that's like a national expert. Fred, I just wish we could talk to someone who's, you know, been around a game, knows the different teams, knows the innuendos. Up the new, what? What's that, Eric? Phil Rogers is on the line? Hey, let's go to Forbes. It's our guy. It's Phil Rogers now on ESPN 1000 Chicago with Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner. Good morning, Felipe. Hello, Murph. Hello, Fred. <laughs> How you doing, Phil? Very well, very well. It's warmer right now in Chicago by two degrees than it is in Phoenix. Is that a story? <laughs> you know, no, it seems to be uh, uh, an annual. I guess it is a story, but it seems to be an annual story there. I mean, it's. The uh, mornings can be cold out there. It's sort of, uh, yeah, uh, it's a little bit uh, not not as uncommon as you think, you know. But the one thing yeah. about out there versus here is it will get better. You know, <laughs> uh, it, it will get twenty, thirty, forty degrees warmer over the course of a of a day. Uh, as opposed to in Chicago when it might move two or three degrees. And if it doesn't, then we do have a story. If it doesn't get warmer, visiting with our buddy Phil Rod. Phil, so many directions to go. Uh, I'm going to do something here if it's okay with you. We don't normally do. I have a, a sound bite I'd like to play for all the listeners and uh, for for Phil Rogers. This was our old buddy, uh, Dan Plezak, middle of the week, uh, joined us here. Uh, and he talked a little bit about, well, the mature shadow story was hot and this is still sort of a, a a new wrinkle i don't think it's been hit too much but then please act well eavesdrop on him it's about a, a 30 a second cut and he says well you know what sometimes you just have to maybe overpay there was a time when it, the atlanta braves nobody wanted to play in atlanta there was a time in wrigley when free agents they would go there but the cubs had to overpay for guys to go there and, and the White Sox right now, they're in that transition period, right? It's a free agent guy. You're either going to have to pay the most to get the player, or the team has to be better where a player looks like and he says, hey, oh, listen, the Houston Astros five years ago, they were the laughing stock of baseball. Now if you get traded to the Astros or they're coming after you, you're like, man, I'm in. Because you know that's going to be more than likely a postseason run. So, you know, until the White Sox get good again, like, consistently good and can win the Central, I think the way that they're going to have to get players is they're going to have to trade for them, or they're just going to have to, frankly, outbid. And that's what it was with Machado. As Dan Plazak earlier uh, this week, uh, <clears throat> Phil, I guess the obvious uh, follow-up question, uh, we can all jump in if you want to go first. Did the Padres overpay for Manny Macho? 
You know, um, can, can I answer in about five years? <laughs> yes, uh, and I, now I, and then we'll call I, you again, yeah. <laughs> I, agree with what, I agree with what Dan said, and based on that, then no, they didn't overpay. They, they paid the price it took to get the guy. And at, at the start of this free agent window, I kind of thought that was going to be the approach the White Sox were going to take because – Did we lose him? Look at Phil back in a minute. Yeah. I don't know if he's in Arizona. It's funny. We lo- Maybe we, Jesse's we, trying to sell him a snow shovel. We lost him in a very appropriate break. He paused for a second, and yeah, I thought maybe he was just thinking. Because his first response was very interesting. And I uh, can't disagree. He goes, no, they did not. The Padres overpay uh, because of the Dan Plesak theory. And uh, then... The White Sox, he said, started to say that he thought that they would uh, uh, maybe be involved. We'll bring Phil back back in now. And uh, just when we lost, you were saying you thought uh, the White Sox uh, might, uh, quote, unquote, pay or, or overpay or, or however you look at it, right? Yeah, apparently the censors got me there. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I was dazzling myself with brilliance. but I, Stay I out of White Sox the, business. Uh, <laughs> I, I thought at the beginning of the peer of the free agent window that uh-huh. the, the White Sox were going to do what it took to get one of those guys, and you know, from what we heard as the, the lava flow of that slow process moved, you started to hear different stories that hmm. they they were only committed to going so far, and that they were going to only do something that that was within their limits, and they, I, I, you know, it, it, it's. It's not the easiest sell in the world right now, and I think that's maybe what the Machado story illustrates. You know, even the other things they did, which I think were smart, the Yonder Alonzo trade and the John Jay signing, I know those were smart moves. Uh, but at the end of the day, they allowed themselves to be outbid and, you know, are not winding up without a guy. And, you know, I think they needed somebody, not just for the team on the field, but for marketing purposes and their TV uh, situation. I thought they needed somebody as, as bad as anybody, any other team in the majors. So, you know, given the big boys were out of this one and they couldn't get the guy, it's, uh, I, you know, I think it really illustrates the big challenge in their rebuild, which is going to be to go get the proven guys to go with the young guys that are coming up. Mm-hmm. Phil, as a White Sox fan, isn't it tough to say that they didn't they didn't do all they could do when you know the Padres did, and they give a guy the largest free agent contract in the history of American sports? Um, I mean, the, the White Sox did a lot. I'm not I'm not saying that the White Sox didn't do a lot, but you know, at, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't, I didn't, I think I'm like a lot of people that I didn't really quite understand where the White Sox drew the line. You know, if you're going to go eight years, um, you know, with the highest AAV, right. a higher AAV, you know, is it is it you know, how much worse is it to go 10 years at, at that point? And, you know, there's going to be maybe some sunk cost involved. But I, I just think where the White Sox are now, and then I, I would even take this a little a step further, that if, if in making strategy, while they're the smartest thing to do is not worry about anything going on outside of your own organization. But if you look right now at the Cubs, the Cubs are certainly probably more vulnerable than you expected they would be at this point in time. And 
you know, I think there was there's a window here for the White Sox to step up and get back in terms of relevance in this market. And, you know, I, I think landing Machado or Harper would be a big step in there. And I also, other than I think, you know, at the end of the day, I don't think Machado, I think Machado wanted to go play in San Diego in warm weather uh, more than he wanted to come to the south side of Chicago and deal with our harsh springs. Um, and, and, you know, I think that maybe, or two, maybe Harper just kind of communicated through Scott Boris, you know, you're way down on my list of options. Uh, because if there's any chance, if that's not the case, then I don't really understand why uh, they didn't really pivot from Machado and jump into the Harper Derby and, you know, the Phillies or bust. And, you know, it also appears he's not that crazy about going to Philadelphia or they would have already figured out how to work that deal out. So, you know, I think I think Harper also had trepidations about going to the south side. I mean, that's speculation on my part. But if it didn't, I would think the White Sox would still be pursuing Bryce Harper. Do you think the White Sox, I know everybody else seems to mention it, that the White Sox needed a, a, a drawing card. Do you think the White Sox looked at it that way, or do you think they were solely looking at it as for a baseball playing kind of uh, mode? Well, I, I think they were looking at it as a twofer. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it hasn't been, you know, when you look at the teams that have rebuilt, I mean, they, they haven't, there hasn't been a team that was just, uh, baseball America all-stars that suddenly stepped up and at age 20, 23, 24, 25, uh, was beating other, these other teams to get to the playoffs. I mean, they were all teams that had reached out and brought in proven guys. Um, you know, John Lester, Justin Verlander, uh, you know, go on and on with the young teams that have gotten good. You know, they also made some smart moves and expensive moves with older veteran players. Uh, so you're going to, at the end of the day, I think probably have to have a mix to win. So you needed a, you needed a veteran cornerstone guy to go with the guys you're building. Um, but I, you know, it's not, it's not against the Constitution to try to build up your TV ratings by having popular players. <laughs> and, you, you know, I, 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 I think these guys, you know, when, when you look at the timing of it, that this is the last year of the four teams on NBC Chicago, and then the Cubs go away, and now you have the White Sox, Bulls, and Blackhawks all in various states. You know, none of them right. Not, none of them appear to be that they're going to be right at the top heading into that new arrangement. You know, it just seemed like good timing about and try to address, you know, your ratings. And while attendance isn't quite a measure, the measure it used to be, I think ratings and revenue are, have kind of replaced that. Uh, but you know, White Sox attendance hadn't exactly been great either. And you know, I, I think this is—I think their fans wanted one of these guys. So I think it would have been a, a smart, smart areas. Phil Rogers spending a nice of Phil to join us a few minutes on a, a dreary, rainy Saturday here in Chicago. I made the blanket statement, uh, which I am a very good at, uh, Phil. I made the blanket statement about an hour ago or two hours ago. I said. 
Or maybe it was at our pre-show love fest upstairs, Fred. But I said, you know what? Sometimes these owners uh, and management guys, sometimes they talk too much, for instance. So uh, Tom Ricketts, very accessible. And, you know, God love him. He always has, you know, ready to put it. Except at the Cub convention when he wouldn't go to the microphone. But he said uh, among a million things this week, uh, yeah, well, the team and then, quote, uh, doesn't have any more, uh, unquote, you know, money to spend. Oh, we don't have any more. And I don't think he wanted it to sound that way. And, you know, we all extemporaneously uh, put our old feet in uh, our mouth. But uh, fans were not happy on the north side when he said, well, you know what, uh, quote, uh, we don't have any more. Uh, and then the White Sox, uh, when the Manny Machado uh, news came down, and you know, Fred, uh, the only executive, he said, I'm the only one on the campus right now. That was uh, Kenny Williams. And uh, he mentioned the $300 million. Then a, a little bit later, Fred, if I'm right, the Rick Hahn sort of uh, said, well, what do you say? We, do, we really don't have a uh, number. Right. That, uh, so it was sort of contradictory if, if you really wanted to nitpick, you know. But sometimes is it better just <laughs> just to say nothing? I know for reporters and guys like you and me and Fred, our radio station, Forbes, where you are, you know, we love it when they talk. Yeah, I... I, I, I criticizing... Uh, a coach or somebody in the in the media for mm-hmm. saying something dumb because yeah we we, we want them to talk and it's grist for the mill and you know you <laughs> sure. want to deal with you, you want to deal with people that are open and and will kind of let their fans in on what they're thinking so yeah I I, I don't often criticize somebody yeah. uh, for what they say but right. you know if they're expressing a policy that's different you can criticize the policy. Uh, but you know, I, I I don't really think it's very useful for those of us in, our, in this business to to go after somebody. Oh, he talks too much, or you know, the people that Joe Madden gets that criticism a lot, and, and I I don't buy it. I, I think he's great to deal with, and I think guys like him that are open and willing to to converse. You know, usually their answers are as good as the question. Asked, and let me yeah. be honest, they don't always get asked great questions, um, <laughs> yeah. and. and you know, I I, I, I I get into criticizing that, but you know, one thing that was interesting to me coming out of the the breakdown, you know, I mean, it, it does get confusing with the White Sox when you have two different people speaking between uh, Rick Hahn and Ken Williams, and you know, I, I get that sometimes the message doesn't get out there as good as it could, mm-hmm. and an example of that on this one might might also be. The White Sox stance on opt-out clause. I had a misunderstanding, and I wasn't there uh, for those news conferences, so I was taking them in through the media and mm-hmm. what what friends uh, in in the media were saying, and you know some guys that are really plugged in. And there was a period when I was being told the White Sox would not include an opt-out clause, and. After the fact, I was told that wasn't the case. That you know they, they were open to to the opt outs. Which you know, if you're going to sign free agents in this era, you pretty much have to be. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm not sure their message got communicated as well as it could have. Do you uh, think right. I, I, I made a uh, I made a small wager with Sylvie yesterday? I think, and you mentioned it right now that basically it looks like Philadelphia is the only one that's interested in Harper. Uh, right now, uh, do you think there's a possibility? And I know it's Scott Boris, but do you think there's a possibility that Harper signs for less than Machado? 
I don't. I, you know, I, my my long-standing advice on free agency um, is bet the over that, it, that some you know that for the really for the good players and the, the high-profile agents, you know, they can find one team out of thirty these days to pay what they're looking for. So I I, I don't think I, I think it'll be. A, uh, he'll be able to p- pound his chest, both Harper and Scott Boris. I would guess when this deal is done, wouldn't it be fun though? Like, like what you're well, back, backing up a question. Yeah. So, like, sometimes executives are better not to say anything. Okay. Yeah. Oh. The wind the up. The last two or three, de- two or three decades. Yeah. Um, you know, um, nobody. You know, a, a lot of good moves. Nobody was really looking for, and. You know, I think they've kind of prided themselves on that. Um, I mean, I do assume they're out on Bryce Harper, but when you know, you still hear about mystery teams on Bryce Harper, and if somehow they had figured out, okay, we're going to tell everybody we're we're out because we don't want to be rejected again publicly. But you know, meanwhile, they're still on the phone with, hmm. with Scott Morris. Wouldn't 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 that be a <laughs> kick in the pants if I, I, I out of the blue it was it was oh. It, uh, some, you know, I mean, they always have the Bobby Valentine was the guy that told me this. It was like uh, a person's greatest right is to change my mind. <laughs> so you know, they could. If we woke up tomorrow and they were citing Harper, and they just said, "Oh, we changed our mind," and yeah. we decided to go get it. You, you, you never really know for sure, right? No, it's like you know. an old old Will Rogers. Uh, the easiest thing, you know, I change my mind. I do it every day. It's the easiest thing to do. Uh, the uh, I had. Uh, along with what you were just saying about the Sox, uh, uh, always we were always thought that they would not do an opt out. Uh, me personally, I had an impeccable source who claimed that Jerry Reinsdorf told him, you know, not that many years ago or not long ago that we would never do it. But uh, how about this though? How about a one year deal? Uh, we talk here sometimes, Phil Rogers, with us final couple minutes with Phil. The, how uh, Ned Coletti, when he was uh, in the big chair with the Dodgers, uh, Jim Hendry was ready to wrap up Raphael for a call for five years uh, at ten million uh, for fifty million, and Ned uh, sort of knew it, a new new creation. He sort of developed. He said, "Well, here we'll give you three years at thirteen. Oh, that's only thirty nine, but we could get fifty. He says, "Yeah, but then in the fourth year you'll be a free agent again." Yada yada. Would there be? Would it be out of the? Uh, would it be crazy? to say that someone could come to Harper and say we'll give you one year 40 million and they would say all right we'll take that and try again next year I don't know what what team would do that but just sort of you know playing with this out loud with you Phil yeah no it's it's anything's in the question although the Harper camp has been saying no it's going to be a Mm long-term deal it's not going to be you know anything less just with a higher AAV Uh, but you know until it's done Never really know, but the thing about the opt-outs. Let's talk about those for just one second. Like, let's say the the, the White Sox could have could have could have gotten Machado. Let's just stick to Machado. Yeah. Let's say they they could have gotten him, but he wanted an opt-out after three years. Um, and then let's say he had three really good years for the White Sox and then opted out. Do the White Sox not still win in that scenario? I mean, I mean, to me, you you would hate you would. I guess you would hate to be negotiating again with your own guy to try to keep him. The Yankees had to do that with Alex Rodriguez once. Um, but 
you know, if if you get three really good years, you know, I mean, at, at 2019 is ahead of schedule. Uh, you know, it's very unlikely they're going to be a postseason team, whether they have one of these guys or not. But if you, you know, the guy comes in here and you make some noise and you have a winning record and you build to two years of being very competitive with uh, one of these free agents in the middle of it and then he left, to me, you still win. You don't you don't lose. So I, I, I don't think opt-outs are a real threat, um, you know, for most teams. Mm. Unless the player is bad. And, uh, you know, and then he, he doesn't want to go anywhere. Yeah, so it's sort of a, a one-sided sword, or is it, a, is it fair for both sides? Jason Hayward. Right. See, see Jason oh, Hayward. Oh, yeah, he had the opt-out. Opt <laughs> yeah, and he's yeah, not a, I mean, I mean, not it, a it's dummy. A one-sided deal. It, it's a one-sided deal that favors the player, for sure. But if, you know, is, is three pairs of one of these guys better than zero? Okay. I, I would argue it is. Okay. <laughs> hey, Phil, thanks a million. All your fans can check you out at the Forbes, Forbes.com. Always great to visit with you. And uh, next time we'll talk about expansion, uh, which ought to be contraction. But now they want to add more teams. And I'll give you my new plan how to uh, eliminate the DH, and but everyone will be happy with the new DF, the designated fielder. <laughs> you, you up for that next time? <laughs> Oh, okay, yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll try that. I've I've been on the, the eliminate the DH for about at least thirty years, so I I think I'll be right there with you. All right, I'll give you a little hint. Eliminate the number nine hole, and everything okay. is and everything is solved. Sit down, laugh, and then think about it. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll work on it. It makes everybody I, happy. I, 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 I don't think that DF's going to be very happy when his only stat every game can be an error. Well, <laughs> but you would eliminate the nine hole because the number one argument, I hate watching the pitcher hit, Murph. All right, fine. I'll meet you halfway. No more nine hole, both leagues. And then you get a DF. So Schwarber, he's, he's your left fielder. You know, he bats seventh, except he don't have to run out to left field. You know, Ian Happ runs out and makes the catches. I got it all worked out, so you can laugh uh, at me on the air, but not right now. <laughs> Don't laugh hey, at me this now. Is the this is the era. I would go to New York and pitch it to Rob Manfred. He's listening to everything, apparently. Once they get the 22nd pitch clock worked out, there's about seven contingencies here. If the cow jumps over the moon, then we don't reset it for 20. Aye, aye, aye. Phil, thanks a million as always. All right, we'll see you guys. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Phil Rogers is at Forbes. Yeah, this twenty-second pitch clock. It should this? be. It should be real simple. I don't know why it's not simple, but the way that uh, <laughs> all these things, the batter doesn't have to be in the batter's box. And there's five seconds left, and this That's is crazy. Oh, come on, the clock will not operate before the first pitch of a plate appearance. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Okay, that makes sense. It will me. not operate uh, uh, after a foul ball. It will not operate mound no, visits. It will not operate after a foul ball. Yeah, that makes no sense. Uh, operate mound visits timeouts called by an umpire except for timeouts called just to reset the clock what the clock will reset this is i'm reading it's word not for that word. difficult <laughs> the clock will reset after pickoff throws and bluffs a hitter must be in the batter's box and alert uh, to the pitcher uh, be alert to the pitcher within five oh my god yeah way too many rules for something very simple you know what uh, someone said the other day the problem is you know the pace of game stuff the hitters foul off more pitches now. 
than yeah. they used to. That takes time. Uh-huh. And they all want to walk. So they, you know, they run up the count. Uh, there's never some, you know, they don't hit the ball in the first couple of pitches. So sometimes they put up the stop sign in the middle of a subdivision and people just drive a new way to get around it. Well, they don't do that. They just do those roundabouts. And, I love um, them. The, I don't. Uh, the foul, <laughs> actually, Eric gave me a story from 538. It yeah. says foul balls are the pace of play problem nobody's talking about. There you go. Yeah. See there? The foul, number of foul balls increased 11.98% uh, from 98. Right. So it was 20 years, but it's increased almost yeah. 12%. Yeah. So because all... nobody can hit, nobody can make solid contact yeah. at 102 miles an hour. So they're just putting a band-aid on the uh, wound again, as yeah. usual. I know we're running late, Eric. Back in a flash, Murph and Fred got a yellow pad full. We got the sound bank full. We got a phone bank full. So miss a little, miss a lot. ESPN 1000. Murph and Fred, home stretch, 30 minutes to go. Tequila. Little day drinking if you were uh, in the mood. That's uh, about all that it's good for today. It's it's wet and rainy <laughs> and just uh, just miserable looking outside. It could always be worse. It could be snow. It could be freezing rain. They they uh, predicted freezing rain, but it's uh, it's too it's too warm to freeze right now. A little belt of tequila, huh? Yeah, it's thirty. What's it? It's uh, thirty five. Going to be forty four during the day today. So. Don't look like he's going to be freezing at all. EO11 alongside Eric. I always want to make sure I'm not using, not using, you know, nomenclature from Grandpa Murph. Uh, have a belt. You ever hear that phrase? Have a shot. Have a quick belt. No, that one's new to me. Have a belt. Okay. Vince Lloyd used to do the Cubs radio, and I knew Vince. He was a wonderful man. Vince Scaff. He was great. His middle name was Lloyd. Vince Lloyd Scaff. S K A F F. And uh, so it was like the, uh, I don't know, late, mid-late 70s, and the Cubs were horrible as usual. And so Vince had done the game, and he'd park his car over where the McDonald's was, all the, right across there, you know, park right. And Vince, they'd let him park, obviously. And uh, he had uh, VL720 was his license okay. plate. And uh, so I'd probably, you know, had my beers out in the bleachers, and then uh, it was hot. And no one's there. So some, I'd have a, a couple of beers over at the, uh, Bernie's or wherever. And then I'd uh, walk over and I'd wait for Vince. He'd be coming. And sort of like Harry Carey, you know, he'd have that big briefcase. Right. And he's got the cigar in the mouth. And they'd lost again like 12 to 2, you know, three hours and hot. And, you know, and we, he'd see me there. He'd be walking over. i said, hey, Vince, another long game. He'd look at me. You know, the cigar member, Fred, on one side. Yeah. And he'd talk out of the other side of his mouth at the same time. And he'd look at me. He goes, Mike, I can use a couple belts right about now. Yep. No, he was the best. He was great. I remember one of the first first game I went to out of town. Yeah. I went down to St. Louis. My dad was there at the Old Bush Stadium. Uh-huh. And we had seats right behind home plate behind the screen. And I watched Vince Lloyd interview Billy Williams into a, into a recorder for the uh, pregame show. <laughs> and uh, it was great watching. And, uh, yeah, I remember it well. And, uh, he was, he was, they were him and Lou, Vince and Lou, they yeah. were fun to listen to. Two weeks ago, we visited with... Uh uh, Randy uh, Merkin here, our uh, pr- production uh, pr- our, assistant uh, program director. See, the title keeps changing. Yeah, well, I guess it, it assistant don't. Assistant program no. director. It, his title don't change. Right. I always hear different always, things. Sorry, yeah. Randy. 
And Randy and came golf off. expert. He's our in-house golf yes, expert. Is. Exactly, Fred. Thanks. And uh, joined us for a few minutes to talk about uh, that. Now the flags stick, uh, according to the uh, uh, U.S. Uh, uh, GA. You can enter out in your option. And listening down in Phoenix, uh, though he's in Chicago this weekend for the uh, Chicago Golf Show, our old buddy Peter Long. Okay, and you know the trick shot, long yep. shot guy. You know, and. Uh, he says, hey, Murph and Fred, greetings from Phoenix. Uh, uh, enjoyed your uh, uh, talk today about the uh, flag stick. He says, pin in. I played for years when it was legal. Back in the, uh, right. uh, you know, he, he says, uh, uh, it only makes the uh, hole look smaller. I always took out the pin. Right. Because then psychologically, it, it looks bigger. The pin will only aid a putt. If the ball hits it dead center, you got to hit that pin dead center sure. so it doesn't bang or ricochet. Go either way, one way or another. And he says, uh, uh, a little left or right in a carom, there it is, uh, kicks it out. Uh, after the new guys have had that happen a few times, that'll be the end of it. Actually, the rule, as, as we talked about, Randy, is designed to help the weekenders who don't play with caddies and sometimes there's no one there to tend to you know the pin and right. uh, uh, keep it moving but uh, great to hear from peter longo uh let's uh, bring in uh, northwest side tom no golfing today boy hey tom hi guys always a pleasure listening to you guys on the air you're you're really a pleasure to listen to thank you what's up tom uh, I just wanted to chime in about what a disaster this offseason's been for both the Sox and the Cubs. In what just way? How it. so, Tom? How so? Well, just think of it. We put out $9 million for with the Sox. $9 million we put out for Yonder Alonso for nothing because we already had Polka that was playing in our outfield that could play first base to, uh, to platoon with... Uh, 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 Braille. Right. John Jay, what the heck did we need him for? We got an outfield full of young prospects. You know, uh, uh, Nicky and all those guys. Yeah, and I like Adam Engel if he was given a chance. So, but, you know, he's getting better hitting and he, he can, he can play that center field position. And not even counting Eloy, you've got six uh, more guys uh, coming. They're not ready this year, right. but coming. Exactly. It's absolutely stupid. All to uh, try to uh, get uh, Machado, and then you know, as much as uh, Freddie and I agree that Machado is not the most uh, aggressive guy <laughs> running uh, running out ground balls and stuff like that. But but the deal is when you when you threw out, threw out thirteen million dollars for nothing, and then you don't want to match San Diego with the three hundred million doesn't make any sense. Okay. okay, Tom, thanks for call again, buddy. Yeah, I still, I would love to have been on the phone. I just, and I know people have told me this, and I know uh, some people said yesterday that, the, you know, if the um, agent for Manny Machado, Lozano, wouldn't have done this, he wouldn't have been doing a disservice to his client. But I can't imagine that Lozano called the White Sox and said, listen, we have 10 years, $300 million guaranteed. Can you top it? I can't imagine that they would say that. Mm -hmm. Usually they say, listen, we've got an, we've got an offer that we're about ready to take. Either you guys give us a better offer. I, I don't, I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll, I'll have to track an agent down, but I can't imagine 
that Lozano would have called the White Sox and said, listen, we've got 10 years, $300 million, and we're going to sign it if we don't get a better offer. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's how it works. I just have a hard time believing that um, that they would have the Sox would have done, would have done that. But you guys got outfielders coming out of your you know what in all the over system. The place. Yeah, and bad news about Luis Pasabi. He's going to be out another same two to four to six weeks. Well, the paper today said maybe three months. Yeah, but the handmate. Uh, yeah, that's okay. Fracture. Yeah, I know. Uh, Luis Pasabi. The guy that the more you read about, uh, Blake Rutherford, Mike Adolfo, you know all the names, Fred Lewis, uh, Robert, uh, Lewis Gonzalez. Yep. So uh, they're all too soon now you wouldn't plug him in. Right. So Ryan Cordell is still a guy that's See, out there. Uh, John Jay uh, is not bad guy to have for one no. year. He's going to probably be every day and maybe lead off. Right. And the other thing, he's leading off today in one of their exhibition games. They have two exhibition games. Yeah. And uh, he's he's leading off in one of the games today. And the Yonder Alonzo, and the point that Tom brings up, yeah, they did spend like $13 million, but you know what? That's a drop in the bucket. That's nothing yeah. to them. Uh, $9 million for uh, and, and last year, Yonder Alonso, the first half of the year, he was a launch angle guy. He hit real well. Second half of the season, not so good. So hopefully he can put a whole season together this year as a DH slash first baseman. Yeah. And who knows what will happen. Well, he's a hammer. Yeah. And certainly, you know, better fielder at first than Abreu. Of course, you and I probably, although he's improved over time, yeah, don't get better. me wrong. But yeah. yeah. And uh, he doesn't like the agent, so yeah, yeah. We'll see what he does. I mean, I, you look at it. I was looking at. I compared the numbers of him and um, uh, Anthony Rizzo over the last couple of years mm-hmm. and put him down. And it's pretty interesting because um, Abreu, the first, the last five years since he's been with the team, uh, last year was his lowest uh, OPS was seven ninety eight. His yeah. WAR was only one point seven. Mm. Which was four point seven in twenty seventeen. Last year Rizzo's war was two point seven. Okay. He had twenty five and one oh one. Abreu had twenty two homers and seventy eight RBIs. Um so and right. Rizzo's Rizzo's um on base or OPS last year, eight forty six. So Rizzo's been an amazing first baseman. Yeah. It's funny too, because I don't know that he gets the credit. I know people in Chicago know how good he is, but I don't think he gets the credit for being a, a 30-homer, 25-homer, 100-RBI guy for four years in a row. Let's bring in EO11, uh, Fred. Uh, a Twitter poll uh, question on board right now. Yes or no, you can name seven Blackhawks players without looking anything up. And uh, that was a yes or no question. Uh, I'll be going Sunday. Yep. Maybe start another uh, big winning streak like when I went about four Sundays ago. They uh, could use it. Against the Washington Caps when they won right. 8-5 and things got rolling. Hope I ran into our buddy Bob Verde or uh, Pat Foley or Edzo. I want to ask, uh, those, are guys, those are guys that saw Stan the Man Makita play sure. and uh, uh, Patrick Kane. And I'm, I'm looking for just one person to go, well, you know what? They are more and more now. You got to say Patrick Kane might be right there with Mikita. Cause anytime I bring that up to guys that saw them both play, they first, they want to laugh in my face. And then uh-huh. they decide, I think I'll just punch you <laughs> instead. You're going to compare Kane with Makita. Yeah. But, uh, seven guys, uh, everyone can do K. There goes my microphone. Set. What, this was one Yurko was talking about the other day, the microphone. No, this is the one. Oh, you're yours is the about, one. Yeah. All right. Needs a little blue chew there. I, I uh-huh. do. What? I believe. Uh, seven Blackhawks. Okay. We can all do uh, Taves and Kane. Then I would do DeBrinket and, and Keith and uh, Saad. Right. Then uh, 
Yeah, I like this new guy, Cahoon, uh, uh, the big Cahoon or the Dominic little Cahoon. Yeah, yeah, they call him the yeah. little Cahoon. German guy. He was he was the last player in the National Hockey League uh-huh. as a regular player to get a penalty this year. Your guy Strom, you mentioned him two yeah, three weeks Dylan ago. Strom. Yep. Murphy. I gotta vote. I gotta remember my guy Connor Murphy. Uh, someone mentioned uh, Gustafson's not been playing that well, right, but he's been playing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's a cuckoo guy. That's pronounced yeah, like a cuckoo clock. Yeah, but it's it's it, you still- look at it, it's like he. <laughs> K-E-O-K-O-U-K or something yeah, like that. But it's cuckoo. That's yeah, weird. And uh, well, we all know Crawford. So, and the two goalies now, who are they? Uh, De- Delia, is it? And uh, Delia and Cam Ward. Ward, Ward. Yeah. All so, right. I mean, we can probably, you and I can probably name There's seven. Ten, well, what did, uh, 10, what, did the poll, what did the poll come out as? Eric, yes or no? And no lying. Not you, Eric. No lying when you, when you vote. Can you name seven Blackhawks? It's got to be well, I don't know what it's got to be. What do we got, Eric? I can't even guess. It's actually pretty tight. Fifty-eight percent of the votes mm. said yes. They could name seven uh, votes or right. seven Blackhawks yeah, players. Yeah, huh. you got a little mercy in you right there. Could you, you have done it? Could you? Could you have done it, Eric? Without before we started rattling them off. No, I tried and I okay. got six. Okay, so I, uh, that's where I stalled. Okay, ah, I knew seven was the over under <laughs> right there. Let's catch up on a few things. If you're on hold, we'll still try to slide you in. Mike Murphy, Fred Hume, it's ESPN 1000. All right, let's hustle through some phone calls. Uh, home stretch, Murphy and Fred, glad you've been with us on a rainy Saturday. Joe is next in Orland Park. Hello, Joe. Hey, how's it going? Love the show. Thank you. I'm just calling because I wanted to get your thoughts on... Um Bryce Harper, why? If you're the owner of the Phillies, why would you offer him a lot of money, knowing that Manny Machado's gone, and that takes another team out? Nobody else is going to offer him the money. If you think about it, yeah, I agree with you completely, Joe. Uh, I'm going under. There's no way I'm paying him more than the uh, than the 300 million. I know he wants it. I know Boris wants to be the you know the agent for with the highest contract, but there's no way I'm doing it. Joe, insiders will tell you that Harper does not want to play in Philly. In you know three, four, seven, eight years, so I don't think he wants to go there. Where's he going to go? Though? Ah, that's, that's the, the question. One. Thanks, Joe. Like I, we said to Phil Rogers, don't rule out a one-year contract for like forty million. Even though they've said they're not going to do that. Well, if he doesn't want to lie, I you, know, I know. But if he says, "Hey," to uh, his agent, I don't want to play eight years in Philly. Let's take one year. Well, the Dodgers are off making a team up. The Dodgers yeah. are offering forty million for one year. They want to get in the World Series. You're their guy, right. and then you're a free agent again next year. And maybe someone, oh, I don't know, pick it. Maybe the Cubs yeah. have money again. Well, they would next year. Well, they will have money next would, year. You would think. Yeah, they lose the uh, Hamill twenty million and uh, is this Lester's last year? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think it's Lester's last year. Oh, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it is. Theo's got no pitching now next year, and every everything like I always say, as long as Theo can outspend his mistakes, he's going to be fine. Is signed through 2020, okay, and then an option after that. Okay, oh, okay, so, a team a option years. too. Yeah. Right, which would include a buyout right. if right. you wanted. Right, yeah, 10 mil again, dropping the bucket. So uh, last Sunday, lovely Dana. 
you know, she gets, she gets so much mail, you know, packages coming. Sure. For the, the mailmen love you. And for the grand, you know, for the yeah. great nieces and grand nephews. And, yeah. and, and it's beautiful. And, and maybe some is for May, my birthday coming, you know. Uh-huh. And like you said, like the Ron, my mailman. Yeah. Mr. Murphy, not for you again. It's always Dana Murphy, you know. Yeah, no, they the mailmen love it because otherwise <laughs> there'd be no reason for a lot of the mailmen. Right. So last Sunday evening, she Dana, lovely Dana says, I got a couple, you have to reach, she can return them, you know, right. and they're postage paid. We always have you know, to return them. Yeah. Because they don't fit in the mailbox. They're yeah. too big. I, okay, fine. So I got the two packages. So Monday around one o'clock. So I open up the garage door and then uh, makes funny noise lately. I'm worried about it. So I got the two packages that are too big for the uh, post office. I put them in the front seat. I said, I'll walk down uh, to the mailbox, you know, get the mail. And, right. uh, and I walk down to the mailbox. It's, he's always there by like noon. Empty. Uh-huh. Wait a minute. And we always, I go, ah, oh, they're smacked the forehead with the, the palm of thing. your hand. I go, President's Day. I did the same thing. There's yeah. no mail today. So right. what did I do next? Got in the car and drove to the post office. Nice going. To return the it was, packages. It was closed. Well, yeah. Yeah, it was President's Day. Right. I'm, I didn't go that far. I'm I just the mailbox. I go, that's said no mail today. So I get in the car and drive to the post I office. I did something similar. I, I took my, <laughs> I took a uh, deposit, because I don't take pictures of my check and deposit uh-huh. them. Yeah. And I, you know, I had a check. And I put a couple dollars with it, and I wanted to put make a deposit. I drove over to the bank, and I go, why is the snow plow in the drive-thru lane? How am I going <laughs> to... Oh, it's President's Day. I can't go to the bank. <laughs> Got to wait. So, yeah, couldn't do it. Banking holiday. I guess I could have done it uh, if I just took a picture of the check mm-hmm. and deposited it that way. But it, you can't take pictures of a $100 bill and deposit it that way. I wanted, I wanted to deposit cash. You can deposit at the ATM. You can put the cash in at the ATM. I mentioned this yesterday. Don't you listen to the station? I didn't hear him saying this Come on, yesterday. Harry. I mentioned yesterday. I've only used an ATM twice, both times in Germany, in 2006 yeah. and then last year in August. And because I found out that not only in this country, but in Germany, I could not get more than $200 out of an ATM. Well, you sound like Charles Barkley. Did you hear all that stuff he was saying? Yeah. I'm surprised it got so much airtime, and yeah. uh, and he's not in more trouble. But was, that's just me. But he said, funny. "You write a check." Yeah. He goes, he says, "I go to the, I never go to the ATM, but I don't do that. But I understand it's a two hundred dollar amount. No, yeah, no, it's not. That was twenty years ago. It's two hundred dollar limit. Nah. No, well, it is in Germany. Okay. <laughs> At least they wouldn't let me get any more than two hundred. Uh, I tried to get two fifty. They said, "Nope, two hundred is all you can get." Plus, is that two hundred Deutschmarks? That's right, Herr Schubiner. Yep. Uh-uh. I want to thank our guest, Phil Rogers, Jesse Rogers. Yeah, Eric Ostrowski, all of his help. I'll be back tomorrow after Abdallah and Black. They're on eight to ten. I'm on ten until twelve. I may have to track down Jesse and see how the first preseason game went. Sox got two. We had both Rogers today. Yes, we did. Murph and Fred saying, "Stay dry." Thanks for listening. Thanks for calling. See you later, everybody.